stumbled upon an opportunity. I can make you rich. Rich enough to impress a princess. What would I have to do? There's a cave of wonders. Bring me the lamp. Summons me. I stand by my oath. Loyalty to wishes three. I'm kidding. Watch this. Watch out. Uh. You done wild me up. You ain't never had a friend like me. Hey, can you make me a prince? There is a lot of gray area in make me a prince. I could just make you a prince. Oh, no. Y'all see my palace? You look like a prince on the outside. But I didn't change anything on the inside. Showtime. No, I'm in charge, okay? I say when it's time. Really? I thought a princess could go anywhere. Not this princess. Do you trust me? This podcast is sponsored in part by Benjamin Hart. That's me! And yours truly, Zach Arnold. And by participation from listeners like you. So let's tune in to another episode of... IPC. 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 The Intergalactic Peace Coalition Podcast. All the galaxies, all for you. Good evening, one and all, old and young, near and far. It is time for another fantastic episode of the IPC Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Arnold, and I'm so excited to be talking about what we have to talk about tonight. Everything from... The the news to the main topic tonight should prove to be absolutely amazing. I have no puns that I'm going to try and make. I'm just genuinely excited for tonight's episode. I could have made so many different play on words if I wanted to, but I'm not going to. All I'm going to do is introduce the second voice of the evening. He's uh, he's He's been on quite a few adventures recently, apparently, but uh, back in the saddle for tonight's episode, my good friend... My co-host, couldn't do it without him, wouldn't want to, Mr. Benjamin Hart. I've been everywhere, man, but now I'm here, and I'm so glad to be back. And, uh, yeah, we've got an exciting, a, a just awesome episode for you guys tonight, talking about another film that uh, I've been dying to talk about, because I saw it before we did our last episode, and uh, I really enjoyed it, and I know you've seen it now, and now we can both spill the beans on it. Oh, dude, I, get ready for me to gush, like, a lot, okay? I'm, I'm making no bones about it. This 
could very well be like up to this point my favorite movie of 2019. Really? I'm not even kidding. Like as much as we talked about Endgame and as much as we gushed about it and as much as I have enjoyed everything that I've seen in the theater so far, everything that I have actually paid to go see, I've enjoyed. But I think this is the first movie that I have actually caught myself wanting to go see it again. Avengers, I more or less felt obligated to go watch it again so that I was like really thorough on it and and I and I knew what I was talking about and I had the plot down. Like you see it once to take it all in and then you see it a second time to kind of, you know, delve into it. This is the only movie that I've actually wanted to just go back and see so that I could go back and see it again. Yeah, it it has it has that effect, I think. I, I I'm just just for me like it thing. By the way, we're talking about the new Aladdin, guys. The ah. newest Aladdin. And it, you know, we talked about the original last week and, yep. and you know, I you heard me last week talking about it and and trying to keep, you know, contain my excitement cuz I it was a lot of good stuff in it, and I really enjoyed it. And honestly, honestly, I was afraid you'd hate it. I was I, afraid. I was afraid that everyone would hate it. And I'd be the only one that liked it, and apparently, everyone I talk to loves it. And then there are a few people, like our patron Dan Grievous, who flat out refuses to go watch it. <laughs> so, Dan, here's hoping. I, go ahead. I'm, I'm just saying, Dan. Here's hoping that by the end of this podcast episode, you'll be convinced to go watch it. Yes, yes. Ho- hopefully, we can convince him. He's he's pretty strong willed, and I, I appreciate. I I uh, I definitely envy his <laughs> self control when it comes to that. And I understand, you know, with this film, it's 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 hard, and it's not a m- movie that everyone really wanted. But I think this movie really knocked it out of the park in regards to making it worth it, making it worth the fact that this is a remake of a film that we all love. And, uh, yeah, I think I think we're going to have a good time talking about tonight. I think so, too. But before we get into that, there's a couple of pieces of news that we need to talk about, some breaking things that have come out not too long ago, mm-hmm. uh, particularly things that pertain to Elon Nublar. But before we go there... Let's keep it in the Disney family over on the Pixar side of things because during game one of the NBA Finals, ABC released the first teaser trailer for Pixar's new film, Onward. Yeah. It stars Julia Louise Dreyfus, Chris Pratt, and uh, Tom Holland. They're like the, the, the big trio, and they were all on display in this teaser as were a lot of mythical creatures living everyday lives, which, if I'm being honest, gave me a little bit of a Monsters, Inc. vibe. I don't know if you caught that or not. Yeah, it's, uh, well, it's, it's you know, the pr- general premise of this, I take it, is that basically, you know, you have mythical creatures, kind of the mythical whole like mythology there that's kind of been established through many, many films and whatever. And they basically aged it up to, okay, now elves and, and, you know, all gnomes and all these guys are now in the real world or now in the, the modern world. That's the term I'm looking for. So 
and it does it's kind of this this I guess culture clash in a way but like this weird take on like here's modern society but with magic and magical creatures and dragons and all this kind of stuff unicorns and it does it's it's like Monsters Inc in that Monsters Inc is it's adjacent to the real world like quite literally like dimensional wise but also Monsters Inc is the monster world is like our world but in a different sense so I like what I'm seeing, I, and I think it's it's definitely a new concept. It definitely feels like a Pixar idea. It feels like something that you'd see, you expect from Pixar in regards to, oh, hey, I never really thought about that. But that's where Pixar excels, is these really original, out-of-the-box ideas that maybe sound crazy on paper, but they can make them work. Yeah, I, I agree. This is this is Pixar at its finest, in my opinion, is the idea of taking something that we've all pretty much heard about and giving us a new twist on it. You know, we that that's basically what they've done with a lot of their original stories. You know, uh, something like The Day of the Dead, Dia de los Muertos. It's mm-hmm. something that's very prominent in the Hispanic culture. But what happens when you Pixar it? That's basically the movie Coco. And so I'm really curious about, you know, what the the actual storyline is, what kind of perils these two guys may end up facing. They use the word quest almost like it's in jest. Like, this isn't a quest, it's an errand. Oh, it's totally a quest. (laughs) Like, what kind of life situation are they facing that one sees it as, like, a nuisance and a job and the other one sees it as, like, an adventure? How did they get to that point? Uh, there, there's just, there's a lot of mystery involved in it, and yet there's still a lot of potential to it as well. I'm, I'm curious, yet excited. I, I might, I dare say, this might get some flack, but I am a bigger proponent of Pixar Originals than I am of Pixar Sequels. I feel like I may be more excited for Onward than I am for Toy Story 4. I'm... I'm not sure what my excitement level for either of these films are. You know, Toy Story 4 <laughs> is starting to pull me in a bit. Like, they had a great little video they released today of Tom Hanks and Tim Howland just sitting down and talking about their experience and how long they've been doing this. Like Long time. That man. that got me excited. Like, that was just Tim like, Howland's hey. been doing it since Tim the Toolman Taylor existed. Gosh, that is nuts. That is nuts. <laughs> but, but that just brought back memories. Like, oh God, you know this. I, I remember this. Like, this is a part of my childhood. Like, of course I'm going to go see this movie. Of course I'm, you know, excited about it. But like, you know, again, like, you know, it's a sequel, and you, you know, Pixar has really great original stuff. Sometimes it doesn't work, but most of the time it does. And I think that that's just their stronger suit. So okay, so know. outside of maybe like Brave and the Good Dinosaur, can you give me an example of a time it didn't work? Well, that was that's what I was thinking of. Those are, those are the examples. Basically, Good Side, Good Dinosaur in particular, because I I remember the build up to that one, and then I never remember hearing anything more about it. So right, like it, it was it was, it was all it was all trailers, trailers, trailers. Thanksgiving, 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 and then Thanksgiving rolls around, and like the day after, it's just like. What is that? Yeah. Like I here's here's the here's the crazy part. Good Dinosaur is the only Pixar film that I've never watched. Really? Well, you're still doing I, better than I am. 
I've I've never gotten around to it, but I'm pretty sure I've seen every other Pixar film. As as much as it shames me to admit that I've seen both Cars Two and Finding Dory, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure Good Dinosaur is the only one I haven't watched. But um, I I'm I'm still holding out hope that Onward is is going to be good. I mean, it's got a good cast, it's got a good animation style. And it's got good music. Did you notice that they played Magic by the Cars at the end of that trailer? That was great. That was uh, great. Oh, it's Magic. Oh, such a great choice. Whoever's in charge of Pixar's music division, they have gone two for two in the last two sets of trailers. Because they also used uh, the Beach Boys for the Toy Story 4 trailer. Yes, and yes. that was beautiful. I'll admit that plus Bo Peep's return were like the two things that really got me interested in TS4. But I still don't know if that's enough to make me like super excited for it. I'm with you that it's part of my childhood and I'm going for nostalgia's sake and I'm going for podcasting's sake. But overall, just the premise of Onward, the characters of Onward, the way that unicorns are shuddered about instead of, like, worship the way they are in every other piece of mythical lore. You know, Tom Holland's character gets in the van and he's like, unicorns. Like, really? Really? You don't like unicorns? But in this context, maybe they're not likable. I'm curious to see how all that plays out. They're like raccoons are eating out of the garbage. Like Apparently. Apparently. And I guess the gnomes are like the, the, the gardeners or the landscapers of the region because they're all like trimming hedges and using lawnmowers and stuff. Like, I, I don't, I don't understand if there's like a social hierarchy going on or not, or if that's just the snippet that they happen to show us. There's still a lot about this this world and this this dimension, however you want to describe it. There's still a lot to it that we don't know, and I think that's what intrigues me the most. Yeah, you know something just occurred to me, and I heard this somebody else talking about this. How you ever see the movie Bright from Netflix? I think. Oh, oh, that's the Will Smith movie, right? Yes, it's the movie where he's a cop with an orc who's played yeah. by um, uh, what's his name, Edgerton. Um, and so, and it's about like mythical stuff, like in the modern world, it's basically a live action version of this, but hopefully better. <laughs> uh, yeah, hopefully this is, hopefully this is better. Cause if I remember correctly, bright wasn't very well received. No, no, it did have Will Smith in it though. There you go. Tie in. Yeah, there's the tie in. I was about to make that same connection. I was like, apparently this Will Smith movie was way better received than that Will Smith movie. But let's yeah. be honest. Uh, Will Smith's best movie. This is, this, is, this is a debate that I wasn't thinking of bringing up, but I'm just now going to bring it up and put you on the spot. Are you ready? All right. Will Smith's best movie. Aladdin, Men in Black, or I Am Legend? Well, okay. Here we go. Again, with me and movies. Oh, dear. I've only seen one of those. <laughs> Holy moly! (laughs) And now everyone is screaming, what? No, they're just like turning off the podcast because they don't trust how reputable an opinion is. No, my my credibility just went out the window. Oh! (laughs) Oh my gosh. Dude, 
I am so bringing I Am Legend to California this winter. I want to see because like Men in Black International is is out now. Like you're right. I want right. to see it, but I also want to see the older movies because I never. Yeah, I you, you kind of you kind of have to see the the original so that you have an idea of what you're looking at when you're seeing Thor four, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, that's basically I mean, what it is. That's that's basically what it is. They're like, <laughs> it, it's it's Thor and Valkyrie dressing up in England, pretending to be the Men in Black. That's basically what this movie is to me. That's my headcanon that I'm going into this movie with. Like, it this isn't this isn't Men in Black sequel. This is Thor sequel undercover. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and and I, I will you know how does uh, I Am Legend fit into all this? It's just like you know. Just after all that, I guess I don't know. <laughs> the aftermath of it, uh, maybe. The uh, after the world very, ends, very well could be. It's too. funny. I studied up. I don't know why, but I got up, kind of obsessed with that movie. Even though I don't get, didn't get a chance to see it in the theaters, like I I know the ending. Like I've I've read the the plot synopsis of I Am Legend. It sounds cool, but I've never seen it. That movie is one of the better post apocalyptic movies I've ever seen. Yeah. I, that I, one, I can imagine. That one and uh, another really compelling one would be the Book of Eli. Yes, yes. Same, same, same guy who wrote that wrote Rogue One. I man, man. Okay, I'm getting really sidetracked now. <laughs> oh, we to, we be, we're beyond sidetracked now. We're just beyond that. I I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it back to Ela Nublar because I promised we would. Uh-huh. Um, DreamWorks and Netflix are teaming up to create an animated series coming in 2020 called Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous. We've seen a teaser, we've seen a poster, and honestly, that's all I need for me to say I'm most likely keeping my Netflix subscription now. <laughs> yes. Okay, so apparently, and I, I learned a bit more about this through um, uh, Clayton Fenorte, I can't remember his name. He's a YouTuber. He does Jurassic World videos, Jurassic Park videos, um, and I watch him all the time. And he he did a whole breakdown of this. And apparently, this is going to be set during the events of the first Jurassic World movie, and it's going to be with a bunch of campers, teenage campers that are on the other side of the island when everything goes down. And so, basically, you're going to see it from their point of view and. They're gonna have to, you know, survive everything that happens. Okay, so it's like Jurassic Park meets Lion King one and a half. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> if you wanna put it like that, you don't put it like that, that's fine. Uh, for those of you who've never seen Lion King One and a Half, you're missing out. It basically tells the plot of the Lion King from the perspective of Timon and Pumba, and it's hilarious. It's it's it is it's a jolly good time to quote our friend Jeff White. Um, I, okay, so, I mean, that still sounds interesting because the timeline was one thing that I was curious about. The other thing that really makes me chuckle is back in the day, when I was like 12 or 13, I think, probably 13, I went to SeaWorld in San Antonio, Texas and participated in a week-long camp that happened at the facility. Mm. And it makes me really feel like Camp Cretaceous, you know? 
Like, you've got a couple of counselors that are working there as a summer job. You've got a bunch of snotty kids that really just want to see the animals and ride the rides. They're not really there for the camp experience. They're there for the fun. My problem was I was the nerd of the group, of course, because I went in there thinking that this type of quote-unquote adventure camp was going to be more educational than what it turned out to be. Mm. Um, Friday, we didn't even go because they had like an overnight experience for us that night. So we really only went Monday through Thursday. And then Friday was like the overnight. So we just showed up at like 5 o'clock, went to the Shamu show with our families, and then they stuck us in the the shark aquarium section, and we rolled out our sleeping bags, and we went to bed at like 8 o'clock. Oh. But nobody slept because you're watching these big 15-foot sharks swim in front of you every two minutes. Oh, my gosh. So, you know, th- there was actually no legitimate sleeping that happened that night. Especially when it's a bunch of giggly teenagers. But my point being, I went there Monday through Thursday, and they were taking us to the different shows and showing off the animals. I saw, like, a walrus show. I saw a dolphin show. I saw the Shamu show. I saw, like, this other one that was, like, a combination of different animals. It was it was all very interesting, but it was all spectacle. I was like, I could have seen this on my own time if I just came as a spectator. I came here to, like, learn something, mm-hmm. you know? And it was mostly shows and then going to, like, conservation presentations, talking to us about save the environment and all that kind of thing, even though everything's kind of gone to hell already, and that was, like, 12 years ago. (laughs) And then in the afternoons, like, after lunch, all we did was ride the rides. We went on the rapids ride. We went on the roller coasters. They had a water coaster thing that we went on. Like, every afternoon, it was just rides and games and stuff. And so, at the end of it all, one of, one, I think it was like Thursday morning. It's the last full day that we're there. They take us to the penguin encounter. And they're asking us how many different types of penguins there are. And I actually knew this one, and I gave the answer. I blurted it out. And they're like, no, I'm pretty sure it's this many. And I'm sure that they were just reading off of a piece of paper that they were given because they were college-age counselors. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. Um, But when they told me that, I got indignant. And right there in front of the group and in front of all the people that were at the penguin encounter, I just stood there and listed off every species of penguin. (laughs) Wow. I was like, Emperor, Chinstrap, Gentoo, Macaroni. Rockhopper. And I just, bam, 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 listed them all off. And it was exactly the number that I'd said. And they were like, okay, I guess it's that many. (laughs) (laughs) But that moment just, like, confirmed for me out of all the other experiences I'd had that week that I knew more than the counselors. Mm -hmm. And that, that frustrated the dickens out of me. Because my family, like, pooled together their money. Like, my parents pulled some out of savings, and my grandmother contributed to it, and my grandparents, like, put it towards my birthday fund. Like, I had all these different people contributing for, like, this $350 camp experience, and I knew more than the counselors. Wow. 
So there's your preview for Camp Cretaceous, folks. There's going to be a jock. There's going to be a pretty girl. There's going to be a regular girl who is, like, on the quiet side. And there's going to be a nerd who knows more about dinosaurs than the college-age counselors who are there for a summer job. And you can imagine all the din- the, the dinosaur-obsessed kids in the Jurassic World universe. Oh, dude. Because I mean, Jura- Ray- J- dinosaurs actually exist. Like, in that universe, kids have grown up in a world where you can go see real dinosaurs. Gray's a perfect example of this. When yeah. he visits the island in the first Jurassic World movie, he just knows all the facts about all the dinosaurs. And it's it's fun to watch. But... That there's going to be a kid like that. You know what I'm picturing? I'm picturing a scenario similar to like the Magic School Bus. Only, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Only yeah, with yeah. only with dinosaurs. <laughs> like that's that's the expectation I'm setting up for you, DreamWorks. You better not disappoint. But yeah, uh, the the teaser wasn't really a whole lot other than showing you the animation style that they're going with and proving that they are utilizing the the sound bites from the actual movies because let's be honest the velociraptor we see in that teaser looks and sounds a lot like the ones we get in the movies and that was pretty impressive mhm mhm yeah so uh, yeah that and that the animation looked great i mean it looked really fantastic like it almost like it looked like it looked lifelike in a way. I'm not gonna say it's movie quality, but like it's 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 definitely like in the direction of kind of giving you. I thought it'd be more stylized, but it really like it looked pretty pretty terrifying. And they and they're you know they're going for kind of like a family friendly show, but then them some realistic and scary dinosaurs in that show. So uh, you know that that raptor looked pretty pretty bad. So you know. I'm I'm interested to see like how this goes and what kind of tone they're going to be and you know how they deal with kind of the violence so like that because Jurassic Park can can go into some darker places and you know, especially the first film and you know subsequent films but uh you know how they deal with it in an animated series that's aimed more at kids is what I'm curious to see. Well, I mean, Star Wars is supposedly family friendly, but the Clone Wars tackled some pretty tough subjects. Yeah. Yeah, and this is Netflix. Like, they don't have, like, they can say what their target audience is, but they don't necessarily have to go buy it. Like, this not rated content. <laughs> like, you can watch whatever you want. I think Netflix might have a rating system by now, but, you know, it's not like TV. It's not like, oh, this is being put on Disney XD, and, you know, it has to go by a certain code or FCC or whatever. Like, Nah, you know, it 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 can kind of go wherever it can be whatever they want it to be. If you want to see a good example of a Netflix original that has superb animation aimed at kids but also has adult themes, I would recommend Kulapari, an army of frogs. Mm. I know it's kind of out there and I don't think it's going to get renewed for a second season, but I wish it would. Because I actually enjoyed it, and the old codger frog is voiced by Mark Hamill, so there's an incentive for you. Oh, that is nice. There, there's, a, there's a young frog that wants to be like the defender of his country, and he feels like there's only one person who can train him for the job, and it turns out to be a frog voiced by Mark Hamill. 
So <laughs> it's it's pretty entertaining. It's got some funny moments, but it's got some intimidating moments. It's got some really interesting animation styles and and uh, and some really cool um, action sequences that I really wasn't expecting from frogs and scorpions, but it turned out to be pretty fun. So uh, if you want to see the kind of animation and storytelling a Netflix original aimed at kids is capable of, Kulapari is a good example, but... I'm definitely more excited for DreamWorks being on board with this. I'm definitely more excited for a dinosaur-themed Disney, uh, not Disney original, Netflix original. Why is Disney on the brain so much? I don't know. Um, but <laughs> they're here's, everywhere. Here's 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 another mini tangent that I want to go on real quick before we go to our next article. I feel like this Camp Cretaceous. And I um, what what else have we got going on? We've got shoot, we've got a, a Jim Henson production that's coming out pretty soon too, I believe. We've got Dark Crystal. Yes, Dark Crystal is happening, and then there's another series that is right on the tip of my tongue, but I can't remember what it is. Um, there's there's a few different things that Netflix is working on right now that. Uh, Dark Dark Crystal is is the primary. Camp Cretaceous is another one. I'm trying to see the thread that I was a part of. I can't remember what it was that I was a part of. Uh, da 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 da. Here we go. Here we go. Uh, oh, the Russo brothers and the Magic the Gathering series. Oh yeah, that, I heard about this. That that's another one that I'm intrigued by. I don't play Magic the Gathering, but <laughs> I do know about it, and I know the Russo brothers, obviously. So you've got Magic the Gathering in the works, you've got Camp Cretaceous in the works, and you've got Dark Crystal in the works. Here's my thought. These all sound and look really great, but they also sound and look like Plan B. This is the stuff that they are announcing now, in order to get caught up on the Disney Plus hype, because now that they're losing Disney content, they need something else to keep their subscribers. This is that content. Yeah. Yeah, that's... There's a lot going on over there, for sure. As as much as it makes me sad to say that, this this is Netflix scrambling to make ends meet. Because now that you're not going to have Marvel, now that you're not going to have Disney, now that you're not going to have Pixar, now that all that stuff is leaving, you've got to give people a reason to stay. And these feel like a good start, but honestly, paying fourteen ninety nine a month for something that I might or might not see, I'm still not completely convinced. You know? Yeah. I'm... I, I, I am hopeful for what I've seen here with Camp Cretaceous, but I don't know if that's going to be enough for me to stay on for, like, 15 bucks a month, you know? Yeah, especially when there's, you know, as, as you said, other, not just Disney+, Plus, but a plenty of other streaming services that have good content that you're going to want to keep up with. Yep. And uh, there's a chance that I might end up going for CBS All Access now that they've got the Twilight Zone and this new Star Trek series around Captain Picard, I might pick up that streaming service finally after all the dragging of my heels that I've done. So 
you know, there's there's a lot of streaming out there to choose from, and I might end up choosing something else over Netflix eventually. It's a very distinct possibility. Very, very true. Um, are you? Uh, did you want to rant anymore? Or um... no, I'm, I need I need to I need to take a drink of water. So I'll leave this one to you. <laughs> That's fine. It's fine because I did want to bring this one up because before we jump into Aladdin. Um, this is a big one, and we, there was a lot of news to cover, and I, I was having trouble like cutting it all down. But this, this, what we've talked about previously, and this thing right here was the big thing that's happening this week, and especially uh, as big Jurassic fans as we are, this is huge. So basically speaking, you can look this up on uh, JurassicOutpost.com because there's a they're a great source of uh, Jurassic World slash Park information, but they're reporting. And they have the interview, and it was MTV, Josh Horowitz over there, interviewed Bryce Dallas Howard. And she's kind of doing the whole circuit. She's playing Elton John's mom in Rocket Man, which, which surprised me. I didn't even know she was in that movie. And so she's on the circuit, and she's being interviewed, and he just straight up asks her, Oh, are you, are you cool? Are you looking forward to working with Sam Neill, Laura Dern, Jeff Goldblum in the Jurassic World 3 and she's like um yeah I am basically like she basically confirms it so we're getting apparently Alan Grant, Ellie Sattler and Ian Malcolm all back of course Ian Malcolm was in Fallen Kingdom that seems like a given that he might might come back but like we're getting Sam Neill we're getting Laura Dern and they're all three probably going to be in Jurassic World 3 which is for fans of the original movie and wanting to kind of bring it back around that is thrilling I am I am I am out of words <laughs> like this is something that reaction. I that like oh my gosh having Jeff Goldblum make a cameo in Fallen Kingdom was awesome but to think about Dr. Grant, Dr. Sattler, and Dr. Malcolm teaming up with Owen and Claire in this third installment of the new series is just mind-blowing to me. I'm a huge fan of Sam Neill and have kept up with his work since he finished with the franchise. Obviously, Laura Dern is keeping relevant by being in The Last Jedi recently. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's still a lot of popularity for these characters even 20 years later. And I'm I'm ex- I'm excited by that prospect. I know that Bryce has to like try and play neutral, even though she didn't really do a very good job of it in the interview. Like it's all but confirmed now, thanks to her. And even if it is just a cameo of them, you know, talking to these people or having a conference with them or something like that, no matter how big or small a role that it is, I'm I'm very excited at the prospect. It is. It's. It's. I think it's great as just a callback. I feel like at this point, when like the 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 this universe has really come a long way since we last saw those characters, and the fact that because with the Jurassic franchise, it's been like basically every movie has to make up an excuse for the characters to go back to the island and put themselves in danger, and like you have Jurassic World. Jurassic Park 3, um, which is a poorer example of, like, them making that excuse. You know, you know, basically Alan Grant's trick to going back. 
and because no one in their right mind after experiencing that would do that on their own, but Alan Grant is back in that situation, and so, but now, the way it is, this is a Jurassic World. It's everywhere now, and, like, these are characters that have a history with that island, have a history with these dinosaurs. Like, it kind of makes sense that they would be people that would kind of get roped into the plot at some point, um, and, you know, for whatever reason, like, who knows where they're going with this? Like, who knows what could happen in Jurassic World 3? I'm super excited, even though I wasn't the hugest fan of Fallen Kingdom. Like, I'm still like, this is fascinating. Like, what they did with the story, where they're going with this, and how that movie ended was crazy. So, bringing these characters back, these original characters, and kind of bringing it full circle is so great to me. I'm really excited. I I was a big fan of Fallen Kingdom. I'm not going to make any bones about oh, it. Oh, I know you were. And I'm glad. I'm glad. Like, you are a... You've made me more of a Jurassic fan. Just... just I just... It just comes off of you. And it's just landed on me. me. Just being in your presence. But <laughs> I still can't measure up to you. You are a massive <laughs> fan. And so I'm glad that you loved it. I'm glad Mondo loved it, and I'm glad a bunch of people loved it. Um, and I need I need to revisit it at some point. Like, I genuinely want to go back and watch them. I need to watch all of them again, but, like, especially that one. But, you know, I still, like, I appreciate what that movie did. And I know, you know, I think anybody that's invested in, in this story, like, that's that was a game changer. It was the game changer for this universe and making it so that this universe will never be the same again. Well, I mean, like you said a minute ago, it is a Jurassic World now. Like, that's what's been leading up to it for so long. The idea of Jurassic Park meant that they could get loose in the park, but that's about it. By giving it the title Jurassic World, is not only a play on Disney World, but now you actually have a world full of dinosaurs. And so, yeah, bringing in some previous dinosaur experts from the 90s to help you take care of a modern problem definitely sounds viable. And so even if you're bringing them in as consultants like they did with uh, with with Goldblum in Fallen Kingdom, it's still something. And I'm I'm really excited to see what that something turns out to be. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, it's I can't I don't know when this is I don't know when it's supposed to be actually coming out. I don't know if they've said this uh 2021. Okay, 2021 is when I don't know if they have an exact date, but that's Talking about two years away, so I'm assuming within the next year they're going to start filming that, and we'll get an announcement, an official announcement that those characters are back. But for right now, we just have Brian Bryce Dallas Howard blinking, <laughs> basically. <laughs> if you watch the interview, you understand what I'm saying. Uh, you definitely go watch the interview because to see her level of excitement just makes me excited. Mm-hmm. You know. To know that there's somebody who is that invested in the franchise and that invested in working with people who help make the franchise what it is, that's that's a pretty that's a pretty good indicator of how this could turn out to be. And it definitely makes me hopeful. So we'll see what happens. Indeed, indeed. So I think it's time. I think it's, it's time. time to get into what we came here for. Not that all that stuff, not that all the Jurassic Park news was not fun, because it was. It was a blast. I was looking forward to talking about it. But we got a movie to discuss, guys. Dude. We've got a movie to break down. Now, what a movie. 
Now, I'm not sure how we should handle spoilers here, because uh, there isn't a lot of spoilers. There's a few. There's a few. There's and a we'll, few. We'll, we'll, we'll save those towards the rest, towards the latter half of the show. Um, for those of you who are still on the fence about this, I think we'll spend a little bit of time trying to convince everyone that hasn't seen this movie to go see this movie. I mean, I'm I'm hopeful that just hearing how enthusiastic we are about it, if you've listened to this show for any amount of time, you know that we can give scathing reviews if we didn't actually enjoy something. Yes. Go like, go back and listen to our what is it, Crimes of Grindelwald discussion. <laughs> um even even Jurassic World three. Jurassic Park three. I keep saying Jurassic World, sorry. Um I like that movie in an ironic way. I think you do too. <laughs> uh, and so, but we were not like kind to it. We we gave it its its comeuppance. So you know, we can be negative sometimes. And you guys know, uh, I think that we we we're honest with our opinions here. I I'm gonna be. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I, I mean, I was pretty honest with my solo review. I feel like, mm-hmm. and I, I felt like I was pretty honest. Definitely with Crimes of Grindelwald and, of course, Zombies over on R.I.P.C. <laughs> there's our there's our weekly Zombies reference for the show. It's kind of become like a thing. Like, everybody's waiting for when the Zombies reference is going to happen. Mark it, kiddies. The 44-minute mark of this episode. Um, but, I, you know, I don't feel like there's all that much to complain about from this movie. I really have very few complaints. I do, too. Uh, if... If any. And I was very skeptical about the existence of this movie in the first place. Because of how iconic Robin Williams' role was. Because of how much nostalgia was attached to this film. Uh, To our friend Dan Grievous, I get it, dude. Like, that 92 film is so iconic. And stands out for so many reasons. Reasons that we talked about on last week's episode. There were a lot of things that I'm looking at this film going, this shouldn't be touched. Yeah. This shouldn't be touched. You hit a a home run with the 92 Aladdin. Don't try and top it. And then Disney went and did it anyway. I I am going I know this is this is going to be a hot take and I'm going to be going back to a few Bring times tonight. Bring it on. I think, aside from a few elements, which I will detail, I think this film is a better film than the original. Boom! I think it's better. It is, it is, it it improves so many ways, it improves on the original. It is a better story, it is a better, you know, thing. It takes things and does, and applies more logic to them, it's like, you know, characters like, for example, I don't think this is a huge spoiler, but like, in the original film, you have, you know, Aladdin gets his wishes from the from the genie, and he's yep. like, make me a prince, he makes him a prince, that process happens pretty quickly, there's no explanation, and he just goes into Agrabah, and no one recognizes him. Apparently, because okay, it's just a cartoon. Just play along with it. He's wearing a new costume. We can. It's believable in that movie. It's not a bad thing, but when they bring it to live action, you're. It's. I think there's another. There's another layer of like we're we're, we're taking this a bit more seriously. 
So we're going to apply more logic to this. And so you have the added layer of the genie saying, okay, and in Aladdin, like, okay, will they recognize me? Like, he starts asking those questions, and genie's like, no, 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 genie magic, this will work, like, no one will recognize you. So they add that layer of when he shows up and he's talking, like, of course Jasmine and Jafar would recognize him. But they don't, because it's genie magic. But it's also a, so later on, when Jasmine is with him, he doesn't make her look stupid that she doesn't recognize him. Or he doesn't make Jafar look stupid that he doesn't recognize him. It's under, right. under a spell. But right. it makes them look even smarter when Jasmine figures it out on her own. She breaks the spell. And also yep. Jafar does the same thing. So it just it, that's just one example of like making the movie stronger and making the, the, the story and the plot tighter and more you know complex but also just stronger so it holds up and it's not like a one-to-one. This is not a shot-for-shot remake like I was talking about last week. It takes a lot of liberties. It does a lot of new and different things. I don't think it's a detriment to it. I think it really improves no. on the story. I think it does a lot of great things and it adds a lot of stuff and it doesn't feel like it's just, oh, it's just to make it more epic. It's like, no, we're trying to improve on this story and the story, the first story, yeah, it probably wasn't as airtight because it was a cartoon. But now it's a bigger right. movie. It's a live-action movie. We're taking it more seriously. And this movie takes itself very seriously. Okay, I'm going to give another hot take, as long as we're dishing them out. Bring it on. I'm with you. I'm actually with you. Maybe it's because I didn't... I wasn't brought up on Aladdin as a kid, so there's not as much nostalgia attached for me. Fair. But... I'm with you that this movie actually makes a lot of improvements on the original. I 110% agree. And my hot take is that I think this is the best live-action remake we've gotten since Disney started doing this. And see, I want to agree with you with that, but I haven't seen many of these live-action remakes, as you can imagine, because I'm me. Um, I've 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 seen the Jungle Book and the Jungle Book was stellar. Mm. But it did have some deviations from the original book and the original story. Uh, with this one you already know that Aladdin's going to deviate, but the interesting thing is that it didn't deviate too much from the central theme of the original animated movie. Right. A lot of it was almost shot for shot, and I'm going to get to that. Yeah, there yeah. were there were certain elements that felt like shot for shot, and it was beautiful to watch, and the songs were beautiful to listen to. But if you look at Cinderella, you look at Beauty and the Beast, you look at Dumbo, you look at uh, Jungle Book, and then you look at Aladdin, those are the ones that I can think of off the top of my head. You guys can remind me if I missed any of them. I probably did. But out of the live-action movies that we have gotten so far, I think Aladdin is far and away the best of the ones that have been made. And to realize that Disney is finally hitting their stride by choosing the right stories and telling them the right way, it gives me immense hope for The Lion King, which releases in a couple of months. Yeah, Because I did grow up on The Lion King. I do have a lot of nostalgia attached to it. I am very nervous about how this story is going to unfold uh, for The Lion King. But after seeing Aladdin, a lot of those 
fears are alleviated because of how many amazing things they did with this movie. Yeah, it it just it's a uh, you know it's 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 just a it's a fun film. It, you know the the it story, is. the essence of the story, as you were saying, it's still there. All the, the yep. story, the themes, the characters, they're all there. Aladdin's journey is still there. The genie is still there, but it's tweaked. It's 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 a, just a bit different. And you know, it's not just oh, this is a live action version. This is a different interpretation of everything, just a bit. But the the integrity of the story is still there. And as I said, it's got better integrity because you have, for example, Jasmine's character is way better in this movie. She's, I think, great in the original, but oh, she's yeah. so much better. And it's not just from a, you know, a feminism, you know, female empowerment angle. It's just the fact that she's better written. She's a better character. She's, you know, she's given more material to work with. She's actually a, you know, she's part of the plot. She's not just kind of there for a lot of it. You know, she has her own song. She has her own thing. She has some really strong moments. And, you know, Naomi Scott is fantastic, as is um the rest of the cast. Um, Just overall, and you see that with so much. And, like, there are some, I do have a few complaints. I'm not overly thrilled with Jafar. I'm not sure he totally works for me, but I think a lot of the other cast, I think Aladdin is perfect, I think. There's so many different things. And yeah, there is some, you know, I think, you know, the supporting, I don't even call them characters, but like the rug and the and the Abu and as I was talking about last week, Iago they're not as big of a part, but they're still there, and I like their contributions despite kind of their reduced roles. You're touching on a lot of things all at once, but I'm boy. sorry, my mind just all over the place. I don't know where to go. <laughs> mine, I'm just, I'm no, just, mine, yeah, m- mine is too because it's just racing with how many different elements there are about this movie. It's two hours and ten minutes in length, but they pack a lot into that two hours and ten minutes. Yeah, and to me. I don't know about you, but it felt very timeless. Yeah. I I was swept away on the adventure the way Jasmine was swept away on the carpet for the magic carpet ride. You know, I mean, there's just so many different fun moments in there that you're just waiting for the next laugh. You're just waiting for the next plot element to move forward. You're just waiting for the next sequence to be recreated. If you've seen the 92 Aladdin film even remotely recently, you kind of understand the plot and the direction that they're going, but there's like different parts of the story that are being emphasized in this movie. In the last one, we talked about how the genie's point was to uh, to be yourself. You know, be yourself and being true to yourself will always win out in the end. Uh, that element is still included in this but it's also about being truthful it's also about not getting uh power hungry and how that can end up consuming you if you get too much of a taste of it you know there's other elements to this story and the way that aladdin tells his lies and the way that he carries himself throughout his time as prince ali you know, there's other elements about it that give more depth to the characters. 
not only does the genie feel gypped now, <laughs> but now he also feels genuinely concerned for for Aladdin because he sees him going down the same path that his previous masters have gone down. So again, more depth, more extrapolation, more to the story. That's just one of the many contributions that this movie makes that the other one didn't. I, I'm with you. My head is spinning because there's so many things about this that are worth touching on. Um, you you mentioned Jasmine. Right. Let, let's 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 start with her. Okay. Uh, you mentioned that she gets her own song. I for one really liked the song. Yeah, I think it's good. I I was I was surprised by it, but it, it was like a pleasant surprise. Because Aladdin has his own song. The genie has his song about Aladdin. And he's got his own song, You Ain't Never Had a Friend Like Me. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's a lot of, quote-unquote, songs that are, like, character-oriented. Uh, and Jasmine's, up until this point, was just her duet with Aladdin. And now she's got her own song. And it's all about how she has a voice and she's not meant to be silenced. Not only is this bucking the Middle Eastern patriarchy, but it's also uh, letting you realize that Jasmine's not just a prize to be won. She is a woman with ambition. You want to talk about depth of character? Now she's not just a princess marrying into a situation. She is a princess who has a desire to take care of and rule her people. Yeah. That alone is some great character development. Yeah. That's that's the whole thing with and her sticking up for herself constantly and being, you know, even more oppressed like, you know, we can assume like there's that one scene where Jafar takes over and I think they were going to kill her. <laughs> I think like they that was pretty much implied and you know she steps up and you know she's unafraid and then she has that great moment in the great song. I think just her whole character development. I like how they in the earlier part of the movie they kind of they skip all the drama between her and her father and just stick directly to like they introduce her in the streets, and you're just kind of introduced to her. And then you kind of go back, and there's even – they still are able to add way more to her story in regards to you know mentioning her mother, talking about how that her father isn't just overprotective for no reason. It's the fact that he lost his wife, and he doesn't want anything to happen to his daughter. And yep. you know the whole logic that she's been locked away in this, in this palace, but – for good reason, possibly. And, you know, that's the whole thing. And, you know, adding in the 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 bracelet that's from her mother and then Aladdin steals it and then the whole drama with Abu stealing it. Like, I love how they kind of flip up and stuff that's not in the original movie at all, completely original concepts for this film, but ultimately add so much to the story so you're getting so much more thing. And you have that whole sequence where, he breaks into the palace, and then there's that whole dynamic, and then Jafar captures them. And it's not like, oh, Aladdin's Dude. just, you know, captured on the streets. It's It makes more sense that Jafar just takes him and goes, okay, dude, you're going to do this for me. You're, you're a thief, obviously. And the dynamic between Jafar and Aladdin and their kind of similarities is what I enjoyed about Jafar and Aladdin and all that kind of stuff. 
Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm with you because that whole breaking in scene was really ambitious. You get to see some of the moves that he put on in the streets, but he's putting them to use in the palace, which is the most heavily guarded place in the in the in the whole city. Right. So he's proving himself. And to hear Iago say, Ah, diamond in the rough I I loved that little zinger more than the sands of time revealing who the diamond in the rough is. Like, it was like a light bulb moment where they both realized, okay, this kid's got potential. Like, that kind of recognition felt so much better than a crotchety old man pretending to, like, trick Aladdin into going to the Cave of Wonders. Jafar in this one makes a personal appeal. And I liked that about him. I liked that he he confronted Aladdin face to face, which makes it easier for them to recognize each other when he becomes Prince Ali. It adds more depth to the character because, you know, Jafar's looking at him cross-eyed like, I know I've seen you from somewhere, but where have I seen you? And Aladdin is making like a mutual recognition. It's like, oh yeah, I've seen you before, but I can't let on that I've seen you. And... He he's got to he's got to try and play it off as best he can so that his cover isn't blown. There's 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 so much to their dynamic that doesn't have that kind of potential in the animated film, and it it makes for some tense moments later on in the film that I really enjoyed. Right, right, and, and okay. Speaking of Aladdin, what did you think of Aladdin just as a character, kind of overall, and what did you think of his portrayal? Uh, you mean like Mina Masood's portrayal yeah, of yeah. Aladdin's character? Um, you know, I I liked it. I did. Um, he seemed a little old, but Jasmine's character seemed a little old as well. I think the whole point in the first film was, you know, you're getting to be adult age, which means you've got to start doing adult things. But... You know, these characters look like they're almost pushing 30. <laughs> I think and in the original, like, Jasmine's supposed to be super young, and so is Aladdin. She's, yeah, she's like 16 or 17 or something like that. Like, she's really young. She's supposed to be one of those arranged marriage, child bride kind yeah, of situations. I think they're almost. trying to avoid the the weirdness of child brides and all this kind of stuff. Say, hey, hey, no, 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 these characters are, they're old enough, they're adults, you know, nothing mm-hmm. weird going on they're, here. They're consenting adults, it's okay if they make out, you know, whatever. This country I, is backwards enough not to allow a woman to be sultan, but they're not backwards enough to... Uh, to do to, child to, to to arrange marriages with a sixteen year old, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're 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 threading they're threading a, they're towing a line here, threading a needle. However, you want to use the metaphor, but I I did like Mina Masood's portrayal because he still has a good moral compass, like the original mm-hmm. Aladdin did. He he is still only stealing to survive. You know, he's not doing it because he wants to do it. He got good at something because he needed to be good at it to live. And he's got a really nice place that he's living in. You know, that that, that little tower that he stays in is actually pretty cool. I like it better than the the torn apart room that he's got with just one view. In this in this situation, he's got multiple views. And he actually goes back and visits it at one point, almost like he's revisiting his origins to a certain extent when they do that uh, revisited song 
and he goes back to thinking about how he used to be as a street rat and now he's not like it gets really contemplative and it makes you think back to the beginning of the film and who he used to be and i i don't know there was just something about it that that felt really fun his chemistry with will smith was awesome yep absolutely it, his chemistry with Will Smith was as perfect as it could possibly be. Those two fed off of each other so incredibly well. And he's got a little bit of a sneak, a little bit of a scoundrel side to him. He ends up outwitting the genie at one sequence, and he ends up outthinking Jafar in another sequence. So he proves his worth and does a lot of things to, um, to help Jasmine. But not necessarily smother her the way her father does. And so, yes, he's kind of the Prince Charming, but in a really awkward way. Especially, especially when he first meets her. Yeah, oh, that my scene. Gosh. That scene. And the whole... The jams. The jams. And I, I love uh, I love the genie's line about, you know, it's it's really cramped and dark in that lamp but i prefer it to this <laughs> it's like ten thousand years i've been doing this and this is the most embarrassed i've ever been <laughs> i had a hard time watching that scene because it was so awkward i was like watching it through my through my fingers you know how people can be when they're like watching horror movies and they're like oh i don't want to watch but i can't help it i gotta watch i was like that but with that scene i laughed so hard all the different jams that he listed off and all of the gifts and then she's like and what is it you hope to buy with these gifts and he's like very very to the point you and like everybody gasped like everybody in the theater was like oh no (laughs) like bro you did not just say that did you and then he tried to backpedal and it just didn't work like you could tell how awkward and out of place and how much of a misfit he was from that his street rat etiquette did not do him well in the throne room and it was so funny to watch yeah that whole dynamic of like i mean he really wins jasmine over like just naturally in the street just being himself and then he comes in and he's down because you know, he she doesn't recognize him. And then on top of that, he's just screwing everything up because he's not himself. Right. And, you know, the genie is saying, like, dude, why, if she likes you, why are you doing all this? Why are you trying to, you know, be someone you're not? And he's like, oh, he's got a thing. And you, you understand where Aladdin's coming from. But ultimately, it's, you know, just a big and bombastic way of saying, hey, be yourself. Be don't don't try to be something you're not. And now Aladdin is just trying so hard. But Minamasu is it, the guy. I think he's perfect. I really, I really dug his performance. I really loved what he did, and I think he just all around. He has this charm about him. He's you know I, he's a good singer. I think he really pulled it off. Even when you were trying doing oh. some of the like the ones. One jump ahead of the thing that that song, like the, the, his first song, like it's this very in the original, it's this very cartoony thing, and like they straight up recreate some of the stuff, some of the they shots, do. 
and it's they really do really well done and he pulls it off brilliantly and it doesn't like it takes you a minute to adjust especially if you've seen the first one because like it's like okay I'm used to seeing this in a very cartoony way but now it's in live action so it takes you a second but then once you're into it it's like okay I'm I'm feeling this I'm digging this see that first song was what gave me hope for the rest of the movie it go. really set the tone and and made me realize okay this could be something. And then everything else, it was like just all downhill from there. It was such a fun adventure. And as long as we're talking about the music, can I just say, I don't think there is a song on this soundtrack that I dislike. I probably would say the same thing. I, I liked all the new versions of the songs, plus Speechless. Um, I think... I think Will Smith did a great job with 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 his work, and I think the other cast members really like it was really strong. And they they even changed some of the words and they kind of updated some of the the dialogue. But like most of it's there, and it's I mean and and it's like hard to compete with a cartoon. They could basically do whatever they want. But like you look at that Prince Ali number, like oh my god, it's amazing. Like visually and audibly like it's fantastic it's just this, this spectacle and will smith is just chewing up the scenery with his thing he he's he's loving it and and they're just going off ham i uh see i guess we're gonna have to talk about it now <laughs> the prince ali segment his entrance into agraba mm-hmm was one of the most beautiful spectacles I have ever seen in a movie. Yeah. It was it was a joy to watch. It was flamboyant but not over the top. It was rich but not too rich. It was exciting but not in an action sense, more in a celebratory sense. I I really, really enjoyed, like you said, Will Smith doing what he does and doing it so incredibly well. He comes in there with like just a little bit of swagger, and you can see the spring in his step. He's genuinely excited to be doing this number, and the genie is genuinely excited to introduce Prince Ali. And that all gets conveyed in the way that it's sung, the way that it's scored, the way it's conducted, the way the camera shots are done. Like, you've got all of these elements that are almost word for word from the original movie. And yes, maybe you didn't see this Aladdin character holding up ten dudes like the cartoonized one did to show that he's got the strength of ten regular men. Right. But you did have a big-ass elephant walking in. You did have CGI peacocks and monkeys running all over the square. You did have gold coins being thrown to people who genuinely look like they're poor. Everybody is just so immersed in this scene. It felt so real. It felt so tangible. I think the thing that makes me so happy about this scene is I feel like one of the crowd people watching his entrance to the city. Yeah, when really. I when I when I watched this sequence, I felt like I was one of those people up in the balcony watching the whole thing happen. 
I felt like I was one of the people catching the gold coins. I felt like I was one of the dancers that was part of the procession. I was involved just by being in my seat. And that, that, my friend, is the mark of brilliant storytelling. Not only did it hearken to the nostalgia of 92, but it modernized it, it made it real, it made it tangible, and no less enjoyable. Nothing was sacrificed here. There was nothing cut, there was nothing split, there was nothing edited. They were like, hold no bars. And you just sit back and enjoy the spectacle being presented to you. And it made me so happy. It made my heart genuinely happy. And like I said, I wasn't brought up on Aladdin. But even I felt the nostalgia from that scene being brought to life. It was beautiful. Yeah, you you nailed it there. Like, it's it's fantastic. It's absolutely fantastic. And the star of it all is Will Smith as the genie. And I, I oh. we, we need to devote some time to this because we we do. Because we do. Because I I was I think as everyone was very skeptical about this. I think but I will say and I'm not trying to say oh I knew all along. I had, you know, thing like I, I didn't. But when I when I first heard the casting announcement that they were going to get Will Smith for this role, I was like okay, obviously this is a big Big turnoff for people. This is going to be a big thing that people are going to get over the fact that Robert Williams is not in this movie. He's, he's going to be a different interpretation of the character. But Will Smith sounded like the right person to do this. And I'm happy to say that my first initial reaction was correct. I think Will Smith was perfect for this role. And not because he's a spitting image of Robert Williams. Not because he... No. Outdid Robin Williams. He did no. his own thing. It is a different genie. It's not Robin Williams. It's, you know, the first, the original genie is Robin Williams. It is genuinely Robin Williams in is blue, basically. That's it. <laughs> and in this, it's Will Smith, but he's blue. Like, Will, that's Will it. Smith. Will Smith with magical powers. But I think Will Smith is the type of actor... And I also think from just a from a pop culture standpoint, I think with the original casting choice of Robin Williams, like I think not only is he perfect for the role, he was also like he was top dog. Like one of the most yeah. famous yeah. one of literally one of the most famous people on the face of the earth in the in the mid nineties, early nineties at that point. Like yep. and so it was a really good choice, really relevant choice to bring Robin Williams into that. And there's also just the fact that he absolutely nailed it. I think also Will Smith is very relevant, and I think he's going to appeal to a lot of people because he's been astoundingly relevant as an actor for so many years, since we yep. were kids, since yep. people older than us were kids. Like, So he appeals to so many people, and also like kids know him. P- kids are aware of him. So like, yep. I think it's a great cultural standpoint of like getting this recognizable face, this person who is very charismatic, very a great personality, and yes, he's putting pretty much all of himself into that character and then some. But I think it just works because he's so just the 
you know, like Robin Williams is like he's doing all the impressions. You don't get that with Will Smith. You're getting a different interpretation. You're getting like, oh, this and that thing, and you know, like, like the one I love the moment when he's like, do we really have to do with the top knot? He's like, no, this is my cherry on top. Like he's just he, those little things lend itself to the character, and I think it makes this version of the genie just as enjoyable to me. I think. I'm with you. I'm 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 very with you. I, I I love what you're saying about the pop culture stuff. I I had been thinking something similar, but hadn't been able to put it into words. So thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the other thing that that makes Will Smith such a great choice is when he does a role, he gets very invested in it. Everything from Fresh Prince to Men in Black to even Bright. He doesn't choose anything that he can't get invested in. Mm -hmm. And he got very invested in this character of the genie and making sure that he was respectful and paying homage to Robin Williams while also finding a way to make it his own. And that balance and that quest for balance is evident throughout the whole film because he has that charisma, but then when he's around the handmaiden, he's awkward as heck. <laughs> again, and, again, another wrinkle that, that's not there in the original, but they bring it up and give the genie an arc and give him a love interest. Like that's They right. do, and it's so fun because when he's freed at the end of the movie, much like the 92 film, he doesn't really know what to do with himself. And... With the with the with the handmaiden being included in in the whole plot of this film, the genie has somewhere to go. He's yeah. got some. He's got something to live for, and that's a really beautiful thing. Is not only do Aladdin and Jasmine get a happily ever after, but the genie gets a happily ever after as well. And it's it's a really cool thing to see. Now I don't think we're gonna get. Uh, Aladdin and the 40 Thieves or anything like that. Mm, probably not. But the way things ended, there's an entire possibility that we could get the return of Jafar. And I'm I'm not opposed to it. I'd be curious to see what they did. But this movie was so well done and stands so well on its own. I actually sincerely hope they don't make a sequel of it. If I had a choice, I'd probably say, yeah, just leave it as it is. But, 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 I I think this movie has a lot of strong elements that are completely original to it. And if you took this same team and said, okay, build an original story and continue the story off, like, I'd be interested. And considering with this cast, like, I love this cast. Like, I would love to see more of them do it. And, uh, yeah, you've got, you know, the, you know, we're talking spoilers, not people. We're into this. I think you're invested in this. You know, you have the ending with you know the genie becoming a human again, which is something you don't get also get in the original. But like, it's more of a, it's just a better ending for him because like in the original, yeah, it's cartoony, but it's like, how does he function? Like he's not a, he's still a genie, but he's freed, but he still has the powers. No, he's given freedom and he's a normal person again so he can live a normal life and that makes sense I mean I guess you could kind of like bring it back around and say you know I don't know maybe there's another genie or you know he becomes a genie again or whatever like that I think you would have to do the sequel without him 
but still, I think it would work. I think it really would. But just, I think, it it's a testament. The fact that we're even talking about a sequel is, is the great thing about this movie, is that it does, it's really strong and builds a really strong universe, and with these cast and with these characters that you, you know, I could watch a lot more of this. You want to hear something interesting? Absolutely. Apparently, Will Smith wasn't the first choice for the role of the genie. I seem like I heard something about this, but yeah, go on. Their first choice was actually Jim Carrey. Oh, yeah, I heard that. But he was involved in a a really big court case at the time and really couldn't do a whole lot of public work because that kind of publicity would have been unfavorable in the court ruling. Mm-hmm. And so he had to turn it down. But wow. I'm I'm just picturing Jim Carrey's zany nature as the genie. And I feel like he may have ended up being closer to Robin Williams's persona than Will Smith ended up being. I feel like I feel like that would have turned into more of an impression of Robin Williams. I think you're right. And I'm not sure I, and I'm I'm not going to say it wouldn't have worked. And I think maybe I mean Obviously, Jim Carrey is his own personality in his own right. He's got his own reputation. You know, you've got movies like The Mask and stuff like that where he's zany and crazy. He's crazy Jim Carrey. Like, people love that side of Jim Carrey. Um, But I think it may have been – I think it may have been kind of crazy in the same way, but I don't know if it will work thing. I think the strong point of this genie is the fact that he's different, that it's it's not trying to recreate that character – but trying to say, okay, this is a different version. You have just more of this witty, funny, you know, uh, charismatic genie versus a genie that is just bouncing off the walls with uh, references and you know doing you know different impressions. I think I, I think Jim Carrey would have done a lot more stuff like that, and I'm I, I I'm not I'm not a huge fan of that idea. I don't think I would have been either. Like. I, I get where they would have been trying to go with that with that direction, but I don't think it would have blended as well with the story that ended up being told in this film. Right. I think Will Smith, for one, he makes a hell of a wingman. Oh, man, yes. <laughs> like, oh, my gosh. So much so that he acts like Aladdin is his wingman. <laughs> Right. Because he's like, he shows up at the party, and I love it. He's like, dude, you're not screwing this up for me. No, 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 no. I'm I'm at a party. I've been in locked in a lamp for like a thousand years. Like, you're not screwing this up. I live in a lamp. I like to party. Do not screw this up for me. (laughs) (laughs) I love that sequence. Mostly because it's something that did not show up in the previous film and really didn't have a place in the previous film. But in this one, it does. Because it's a ch- it's a second chance for Aladdin. He's got a chance at a second impression. And as his wingman, the genie helps him dance like no one's watching. And it's so well choreographed. And again, so well shot and got such great music. It's not something that you can really put on the soundtrack because you're watching him dance. You're watching this dance unfold. And it's just one of those visual pieces of storytelling that makes it feel like a musical. 
You know what else I really loved about this film was it actually felt like a Disney musical. It didn't feel like the songs were like interrupting the film. Like you had those weird interludes where you just stop doing what you're doing and you just start singing. They did have those. But if you watch it from the perspective of this is a musical, all of a sudden those songs start having a whole lot more meaning. Mm-hmm. The the chase scene being one step ahead and he's singing, you're like, dude, you should be out of breath with all the running you're doing. Oh, wait, it's a musical. A whole new world. How are you singing at that altitude? Oh, wait, it's a musical. I will not be silent her second time around when those people start fading away and you're like, wait a second, what is going on right now? Oh, wait, it's a musical. As soon as you go into it with the perspective that this is a musical, those dance sequences start to make sense. Never Had a Friend Like Me starts to become that much more enjoyable. Like, this is a true musical. And I... Like I, I know I sound like a, a broken record or, I, or I'm beating a dead horse, but I liked the music in this movie, whether it's during the dance sequence or, or it's the sung performances. The, the music really, really helps carry this film in so many ways. Oh, yeah, it, it, it absolutely does. It absolutely it's it's paced very well. It's not it's not to the point where. There's a lot of movies. It almost can be to annoying an effect where, like, every like you'll go a bit, and there's like every time there's a conversation, there's a song. <laughs> like every time, you know, ask a character a question. Oh, I have a song about this. Like, there's a good bit of like just quiet moments and dialogue and you know stuff like this, and then there's important moments, and they're emphasized by a song that a character is singing. You know, by you know. You have, you know, one jump ahead of the, whatever it's called. I can't remember the name of it. Like, that's a big moment for Aladdin, kind of his introduction. Then you have, you know, later on, you know, you got a friend like me, introduction of the the genie. You have Jasmine's song when she's being taken away. Like, this is, there's, they're big character moments. And it's not just like, oh, another song. It's like, oh, another song. Like, this is good. Like, I'm enjoying this. So there's one jump ahead. Friend Like Me, Prince Ali, A Whole New World, uh, Speechless. Mm -hmm. And then they actually played Arabian Nights at one point. Well, yeah, that's at the very beginning. Okay, I must have missed that because I kind of showed up to my theater late and I thought I was just going to be missing the, um, missing like the, the trailers and stuff. And I think I ended up. I think I ended up missing like the first three minutes of the film or something. Oh, so, so you missed something. Okay, how? What's the first thing you remember seeing? Um, Jasmine giving some food to a little kid. That was like happening just as I sat down. Oh, so you missed. You missed the very beginning. So at the very beginning, it starts out on a boat, and okay. it's with a family, and Will Smith is the father. And he's talking about, oh, the kids are talking about, oh, look at that big ship. Wish we had one of those like this. And they're kind of on this small fishing boat. And, you know, Will Smith's like, oh, yeah, no, no, this ship has been through way more. Like, we're, we're, we're lucky to have it, whatever. And, you know, like, and he starts, I can't remember what starts it off. But he's like, oh, you've never heard the story of Aladdin and the Lamp. And it starts out, it's kind of a, a different version of the the little guy at the beginning of the original Aladdin, who's like, oh, right. and he's just gonna tell you something. This is more like a 
family moment of a father kind of sitting down with his kids to tell them a story. Hold on. Is the mom shown at all? Um, Not at that moment. Not at because, that moment. Because when the genie gets freed at the end of the movie and he talks about how he wants to, like, have a life, Nazim Pedrad's character talks about living on a boat and having kids. And see that they come back to that that scene. I don't know. I don't know if you caught that, but they go back to the boat at the very end, and it's revealed that it's her that this is his wife, and they have kids. And it's so, the genie telling the story the entire. It's time. the genie that's telling. Oh my gosh! <laughs> so, but the Arabian Nights comes in when he starts telling the story, and it turns into Arabian Nights, and he starts singing the song, and then it, the camera pans away and goes to Agrabah. And it, and it does a flashback to stuff that happened a few years ago. Exactly. You, you, wow! And see, here's the thing. It's a callback to the original movie, because in the original movie, you had the little guy saying all this thing, and it happened on, you know, the, uh, in, in Arabian Night or whatever. He goes into the song, and it goes into the introduction, and it's supposed to come back at the very end, and that little guy shows up again, and he says, um, you know, whatever, and it's revealed that that little guy was the genie. So, um... so it's it's a it's basically that concept has always been there that the genie is the one that starts the story and ends the story. The, the genie is the storyteller, right? But this wow. is way more overt in in the fact that. It's literally that you know it's the genie, like all this happens, and then he goes off and has a family, and he's telling the story to his kids later. Wow! Again, fantastic storytelling. It is. It's great. It just adds. It's another like wrinkle to the story. That's like, hey, this is this is great. And I think, and it's also like this confusing because you know Will Smith in the movie, but then you see him right off the bat. See, now you need to go uh-huh. see it again. And you need to stay before, get there before See, the credits. I was I was already thinking that I needed to go back and watch this movie again. Now you've just all but confirmed it for me. I do need to go see this movie again. Yeah, but see, it doesn't obviously it didn't ruin the movie for you. You still enjoyed it, but like there was well, that little know. there was that little thing that you didn't get. There was even more of the movie that you missed. <laughs> I mean, the story itself, the story that this father figure character told. Was a fantastic story. Yeah, I, I, I didn't need that little tidbit, but that just enhances it all the more for me. Really, it's great. It's great. I, oh my god, I'm, I, I'm glad I was able to tell that because I'm glad you mentioned that because like I can, I can imagine coming in late and not realizing you missed because like you could just, you know, you don't know how the movie starts, then you just go into I, it. No, because that I wasn't mean, none of that was in the trailers. Like it's just like a a two minute scene. Like, right, it, and I, I just, I just assumed that the movie more or less skipped ahead a little bit and just started out in the marketplace, and I was like, oh, okay, we're starting in the marketplace. That's fine, whatever. And I just took it and ran with it. I was like, I'm not gonna miss a whole, whole lot because, I mean, even if it was just Raja biting the pants off of somebody, that's not a big scene that I missed. Mm-hmm. Oh well, too bad, so sad. And then that guy ends up sh- being the one that's like courting her, and she has to get back to the palace. And I'm like, oh, okay. So instead of doing this before, they're doing it after. That's fine. And then it all just it all just made sense to me. I was caught up at that point. I was like, okay, I'm good. Let's just keep moving forward. I'm not gonna ask the person in the movie theater to rewind it for me, even though I'm like one of three people sitting in the theater. <laughs> 
When you're the only one there, you sh- they should just give you the remote and let you rewind it. That would be cool. That would be really cool. Uh, unfortunately, I have never been the only person in the movie theater watching a movie. It's fun as someone who has been in that situation. <laughs> I came really close one time when I saw like the 11 p.m. showing of Blade Runner 2049 last year or two years ago. And then like during the trailers, a couple of other people showed up and I was like, son of a gun. <laughs> I was so frustrated and so disappointed, but at the same time, I really didn't care all that much, but it's still something on my bucket list. I would like that to happen at some point. Um, but one question that we've got here in the show notes that I feel like is something that you should answer, Ben, because okay. I I don't really have an answer to this. All right. Um, and you wrote the show notes anyway, so... <laughs> Where do you feel like it fell short of the animated 1992 movie? That's a good question. I I don't think it really did. I think the only thing, I think the 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 only really sticking point that I think that you you have to say and going back to my hot take about this being the better than the original. I think we talked about it last week. Robbie Williams' performance is unmatched. And I think if you put Will Smith and Robbie Williams next to each other, and I'm, I'm I, and maybe the point here is that they're incomparable, and that they're just things. But in the case of I had to rank them, of course I'm going to pick Robin Williams. I think that's not necessarily a falling short. I think it's a strength of this movie that it does its own thing, and Will Smith does his own version of the character, and it's not necessarily comparable to Robert Williams. But the fact this movie doesn't have Robert Williams is, you know, maybe a shortcoming. Other than that, I really, I, I walked out of the theater going like, and I wasn't really sure at that point, and the more I've thought about it, the more I've talked to people, I've really enjoyed it, and I've, I've liked it more and more and more. But when I first walked out of the theater, I'm still like, I, I was like you. I don't have any complaints. I think it really, really did a great job with it. And I was just, you know, kind of left in awe that, like, not, like this. I, I expected it to be kind of mediocre, to be honest. I expected it to be kind of, oh, okay, they're just going to do this or whatever. It's going to be okay. Like, I didn't expect it to be really, in a way, spectacular. And I, I didn't expect that. And I think coming away with pretty much no complaints really surprised me. And I, I, I know I wrote this question, but I think I'm going to say no. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to push a button here All and right. maybe, maybe, maybe this will help us flesh out a, a character that we really haven't discussed yet. Right. And it's a character that you have complaints about, uh, Jafar. Okay. You have a good point there. You have a good point there. Cause I did mention that. And, it's funny, it's not really something I can pinpoint on as far as like what I don't like about Jafar. I just think that him and some of the supporting cast, like the Sultan, Jafar, um, I think they're not as strong as they could be. I feel, I figure, the Sultan isn't a big character. I, I wasn't expecting much from him. Jafar is... I feel like you come away from the original movie and Jafar is is great. Like he's one of the great Disney villains. Here yeah. I didn't get that sense. And I can't put my finger on it. I can't really like explain why. I just feel like 
this version of Jafar is more withdrawn, a bit more thing. At the same time, he's he's very logical. I think he's he's a writing wise, he's stronger because he's a smarter character. I love the scene where, you know, in the original, he captures Aladdin. And he's like, okay, you're just going to get you out of the way because you're an annoyance to me. But I don't somehow don't recognize you as the kid that I, you know, you know, pushed into that cave. But in here, Jafar's like three steps ahead of him. He's like, okay, I know you have the lamp. Like, I, I know it's you. I know you're Aladdin. And, okay, I'm going to push you out of this window. And, you know, if you die, then no skin off my nose. But if you live, then I know you have the lamp. Like I, that was a really great scene, really strong character moment for Jafar. So maybe I'm talking myself out of this. Maybe I don't like dislike Jafar as much as I think <laughs> I do. But that was my initial impression was that I wasn't a huge fan of Jafar. But at the same time, I think he's got a lot of good moments. Well, here's here's my take on Jafar. He is more slimy mm-hmm. in this movie than the one in uh, the '92 version. In the 92 version, you've got a very deep-voiced Jafar who is very um, overt. And his his manner of slime is more talking down to people. And this Jafar is more about planting ideas in people's minds and making them think that they're theirs. Right. So the idea of, you know, uh, breaking alliances and forming an empire, he's making the Sultan feel like that's his idea when it's really Jafar's idea. Right. He, he, he's more in the game of manipulation than it is um, talking down to people. And you also see him scheming more. It's not just about... Him. That's true. It's not just about Jafar. Like in the original Aladdin, he's like tr- constantly trying to find ways. He wants to be on top. He wants to be thing. And this Jafar is again, he's he's doing the same thing, but he's doing it in a much more subtle way. And he's he's doing it like he's trying to convince or mind control the Sultan into invading certain countries, stuff like this, and doing things. And also his whole philosophy that he used to be a kind of a street rat like Aladdin. And he he's kind of this, in a weird way, kind of this mirror image of Aladdin. And, you know, he even... one That's of the, very true. One of the... One of the... One moment that I kind of took me out of it when, was when he bumps into Aladdin on the street and steals the lamp. I'm like, come on, dude. <laughs> you didn't see that coming. I That that kind of caught me yeah. up. Going. That was a, it's yeah. a little... It's a little I thought the movie was smarter than that, just to do something like that. I thought they could have... Convenient. A little convenient, a little convenient. I know movies are convenient, but it just felt a little much. But, convenient theft is convenient. But it's also... You, a, you, you, you stole from a street rat. Like, <laughs> okay. But you, I think... Uh, but it, it was a callback to his, his past and who he is, and also, you know, kind of like this, not just saying that, that maybe there's a little good in him or whatever, there's also, like, this is where Aladdin could end up, you know? Aladdin given the same power, and also kind of, like, the, the juxtaposition of, like, two similar people, one in a higher position, but ultimately given the same power, and, like, what they do with it. Like, Aladdin is just... That's he's just, true. He's just trying to, you know... That's very true. He's trying to get by and thing. He, he does, Aladdin in his own way, gets power hungry. He gets 
it goes to his head. He's he's ultimately he, he really shouldn't be putting on the Prince Ali thing. He's that's wrong of him to do that. He should just be coming up forward and say, "Hey, look, this is who I am," um, because that's ultimately when he kind of comes clean is when it all works out. Um, but where was I going with this? Um, the, the 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 mirroring of Jafar and Aladdin's characters. Well, yeah. How they both get the lamp and they both do different things with it. Right. So you you have all that with you know Jafar. I think ultimately Jafar is a more cunning character here, and it's more enjoyable because he's not just this kind of like bombastic villain. He is someone that's really thinking. And, you know, like I said, Iago is kind of helping him then. He's kind of spying on them and doing kind of stuff. I like that aspect of it. And he's kind of all around, you know, and you, you think, and even there's even that moment where he's like, he's locked up in jail. And you're like, oh, that was the thing. And I remember thinking to myself, like, yeah, this is too easy. Like, he, you know, it, obviously this is going to go a bit different you know, than the thing. That's where it kind of div- really diverted off from the original in, in regards to the plot and how Jafar deals with all that. Okay, while we're on that subject, can I just say how mad slash happy I am at you for downplaying Iago's role in this movie last week? Mad slash happy? Mad that you told me that last week. Happy that I got to discover it this week. So you you disagree with me. I I wholeheartedly disagree with you. I I you know what I after only seeing the movie once, <laughs> I think my judgment was askew. I will fully admit that. Um, uh, and and maybe mine isn't a hundred percent accurate either. But, We've both only seen this movie once. These are all just initial impressions. But the impression that I got was Iago was still playing the spy just in a different way. You mentioned yourself that he's keeping tabs on Aladdin pretty much throughout the whole time that he's there at the palace as Prince Ali. And then in the in the finale, the big chase scene is Iago chasing after Aladdin and the carpet. I did forget about that completely. <laughs> I did completely forget that. That went out of my mind. I'm like, oh, the part where he turns giant and is chasing them where around. Where he turns into a giant freaking parrot and that he's just... chasing them down the streets of Agrabah? That's not a big moment for Iago? Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I kind of brain farted on that. But hey, at least I didn't like overplay it and you were disappointed. So That's true. That's true. I'm I'm still kind of bummed that uh, that Gilbert Godfrey didn't get to reprise his role, but Alan Tudyk did just fine. I just I was I, at this point I I I saw as I said I saw this movie first and then I saw the 1992 version second within a few days mm. of each other. And mm. I was in the headspace and I still kind of am that like the 1992 version, Iago is such a huge part of that movie. He's such a... He is. Dialogue-wise. He has so much to say, and this version is completely different in that way. You have Alan Tudyk voicing him, but he's not this thing. He does say words, but he's more like a real parrot, and it's more of a... as, As this movie is, it's more of a grounded universe. It's not this heightened where animals can talk like normal humans, like... You know, Iago is that's something that I would actually see like to see in a, in a sequel where Iago went into the the lamp. I would like to just him come out as a normal speaking person <laughs> or a, a normal speaking bird. And so you bring Gilbert Goffey back at that point. And so you have real, real, real Iago. That would be cool. 
I'd be okay. And you with have that. giant talking Iago. I'd be I okay. I'd be very okay with that. <laughs> not not gonna lie. I'd be very okay with that. Um but before we get too much further into this, I think this is as good a place as any to take a quick pause. We're going to go to our ad break right now. On the flip side, we're going to discuss favorites such as songs, characters, moments, and whatever else. And then give our planet scores as we continue our discussion of the live-action 2019 Aladdin. Greetings, this is Obi-Wan Kenobi, and I have drifted into the underworld. The Star Wars underworld. I have a bad feeling about this. 
Hey y'all, this is Ben Hart here. I know y'all just heard me on the IPC talking all things geeky and fun. Now I'm here to tell y'all about my other podcast. It's called The Star Wars Underworld, about all things Star Wars. We talk Star Wars The Clone Wars, Star Wars The Force Awakens, Star Wars Last Jedi, Rogue One, A Star Wars Story, and so much more. I record it with my friends Chris and Dominic, who are here to tell y'all all about it. Hello, Chris. Hello, Ben. I'm so excited to talk about Star Wars this week. It's fun. It's funny. We're going to have a great time. Hey, guys, I am so nostalgic for mall packaging, and I love being on the Star Wars Underworld podcast talking all the latest Star Wars news. Well, now that y'all had a little taste of the show and you know what to expect, you should check out more episodes by going to StarWarsUnderworld.com or by searching for the show on the iTunes, the Apple Podcast, the Google Play, and all sorts of things. And may the Force be with y'all. It's a wrap, eh? Here comes a wave meant to wash me away A tide that is taking me under Swallow and sand, but nothing to say My voice drowned out in the thunder But I won't cry And I won't start to crumble Whenever they try To shut me or cut me down
here's the basics. You get three wishes. They must begin with rubbing the lamp and saying, I wish. Got it? Think so? Rush this. Mr. Aladdin gets one wish or two or three. I can't make anybody love anybody or bring anybody back from the dead. Wait, never. Aladdin. So, how does it work? The whole song was the instruction. Rated PG, May 24th. Oh, imagine a land. It's a faraway place where the caravan camels roam. Where you wander among every culture and tongue. It's chaotic, but hey, it's home. When the wind's from the east and the sun's from the west and the sand in the glass is bright, come on down, stop on by, hop a carpet and fly to another Arabian Of the silks and the satin shawls Oh, the music that plays As you move through a maze In the haze of your pure delight You are caught in a dance You are lost in the trance Of another Arabian night Arabian nights Like Arabian days More often than not Here on the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast discussing 2019's live-action Disney remake of Aladdin. A lot of really exciting moments, a lot of really compelling points that have been made so far, but now it's time to discuss favorites and give our planet scores out of 10. 
obviously talking about the music in this movie on several different occasions, it makes sense to talk about what our favorite song might have been. Ben, did you have a favorite? Ooh, I think I'm going to go back to what we were talking about earlier, Prince Ali. I really yeah. enjoyed that one. I liked his rendition of that and just the whole, you know, it helps with all the spectacle of it. But also, just the music is great, too. Well, I think the cool thing about the music is when you're listening to the soundtrack, you're also visualizing the spectacle. Exactly. Because that's kind of what that's what I listened to right before this podcast to get myself hyped up talking about Aladdin. Mm-hmm. Like, that song is, like, now my hype song. I, I don't even know how to describe it. Like, it made me feel like Prince Ali or something. I don't know. I really I really don't know. But there's just something about that particular score, that particular number, that is pretty impressive. So I, I, I feel like we need to at least make mention of A Whole New World, though. Uh-huh. I mean, that duet was pretty impressive. It really was. It that they did a phenomenal job and it really like and you think about i mean you have two really strong versions the movie version and the soundtrack version the one you hear on the radio all the time of whole new world from the original movie um Mm -hmm. and both of those are amazing and this one is up there with both of them i think i i really liked it i didn't care for the credits version though I don't remember who sings it, but it was it's, very yeah, very different. It's, it's a different type of thing. Yeah, I don't know if I care for that one either. I, I get what they're doing, though, because it was kind of like when they did the Elton John's credits version of Can You Feel the Love Tonight, but Elton really did a lot better job handling that song than these guys did with A Whole New World. Just putting that out there. I agree. I agree. But, yeah, Prince Ali was really good, and... As controversial as this may sound, uh, "Friend Like Me" by Will Smith was actually really good too. Mm-hmm. I, I uh, it, it it wasn't Robin Williams, obviously, but it was in a very similar vein. Because if you go back and listen to the Robin Williams version, only a little bit of it is actually sung. A lot of it, he's kind of like spoken wording it with rhythms a little bit. Yeah, and that's pretty much what Will Smith does. He raps. And so this was right in his wheelhouse. And to kind of take it and stylize it and use it in a, in a hip-hop kind of way was actually really clever and really fun to watch. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I kind of want to talk about all the songs, but I know that we don't have that much time. I know. And, <laughs> and you know what? In, in the edit, in the edited version of this movie, I want to – pack as much music as I can into this episode. You hey, guys there you go. And, uh, all you all you iTunes listeners, you'll get to hear the stuff that we're actually talking about. Absolutely. So Congratulations. And a little extended cut for you guys in the future. But uh Ooh. But uh you see you see Stephen, it pays to listen to <laughs> the edited version. You get, just putting that out you there. get so much more. You get so much more. You get a trailer off the top, you get music in the in the middle. Um, yeah, it's good stuff, and you'll have a little something special on the end, that, so keep listening. I added something extra to the end of the last one, too, so definitely listen all the way to the end. I always try to treat the people that uh, are willing to stay for the credits. So uh, it's, like, it's like it's like our own version of the MCU. It's a little post credit scene or something. Exactly. I like to play around. I like to make things interesting. A little um, end-of-show treat for you guys. Exactly. Um, but since we can't 
talk about all of the songs. I figure we'll move on to characters. And I'm going to ask you, who was your favorite character out of the bunch in this one? Oh, this one is super easy. This one is super, super easy. I loved Jasmine's character. I I, I just, I loved the, the leadership that she exudes when she's, you know, taking charge at the end of the movie. I love how she stands up for herself when the menfolk are trying to uh, make decisions on her behalf. I love when she first meets Prince Ali and she she basically just flat out asks, "So you think I'm I'm something to be bought?" Like she she says it in a non rhetorical kind of way, like, "Oh, really? That's what you think of me?" <laughs> and she's she's very smart, very caring, very witty. But also a little awkward and a little clumsy because when uh, when when you, when you got that whole switcheroo thing going on and she she makes her handmaiden pretend to be the princess in order to you know hide who she really is from Aladdin you know she she's got a little bit of schoolgirl to her which is kind of cute and funny but here's the kicker. I guess it just slipped by me because I remembered us talking about this at some point when this movie was first getting its casting announcements. You know, we heard about Minamisu, we heard about Will Smith, and then we heard about Naomi Scott being cast as Princess Jasmine. Somehow, some way, it totally slipped my mind. <laughs> I don't know how. I don't know how that happened, but it did. And I got to say, the casting choice was picture perfect. She carried herself like a princess. And the funny thing is, I actually knew her from something else, and I didn't even recognize her. That's how good the makeup and costuming department did and how well she separated herself from that previous role. Back several years ago, I found uh, a whole bunch of different TV series on DVD. And I just went ahead and bought like the complete series because it was like one or two seasons, no big deal. And one of those that I found was the TV series Terra Nova. Uh I actually really enjoyed it. It had a lot of potential that didn't really get executed very well. But a lot of it... I'm coming to realize is actually being implemented in one of our favorite CW shows, the 100. So at least, at least it's got that going for it. If it didn't get its own series, at least it inspired another one. But Naomi Scott actually played a role in Terra Nova. She was Maddie, I believe. And I, I totally did not recognize her. Like, at all. Did not recognize that that's who it was. Did not make the connection. Did not have that all put together until I, like, looked at her her casting credits on IMDb. And I was like, wait, 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 wait. What? Like, Ben, you can vouch for this. My level of flabbergastedness right before the show started was appalling it was it was great because i let's just say i've done some research on naomi scott 
just, I'm just gonna I'm gonna let you fill in the blanks there. But I I've never seen no uh 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 the show, and I've never seen the Power Rangers, which was the one of the first movies she was in. But um yeah, I was familiar with her prior to this movie, and I was really looking forward to her being in this movie, and I was looking forward to you discovering the fact that she was from Terra Nova because I knew you watched the show. I, dude, I really did enjoy the show. I, I'm bummed that it ended on a cliffhanger and then didn't get renewed because it definitely did have some potential to it. But, you know, Fox and their sci-fi series, apparently the only one that's had even mild to marginal success is the Orville, which I'm happy for them, but I'm I'm bummed that shows like Terra Nova didn't make it. But it's just amazing how... From a 2011 TV series, she's playing a, a teenager in a, you know, uh, a dystopian slash utopian planet. And eight years later, she's a princess in the Disney universe. Just, like, I can't help but give her a round of applause. So, yes, Jasmine, Naomi Scott, I am, I'm just, I'm very happy for her. And I'm very happy with the way that she played the character. It was a great job all around. Yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to the rest of her career. I think she's she's really I think she's going to take off after this. I think you're going to see she's oh. she's going to be in Charlie's Angels. She's 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 moving on up. And this was she was phenomenal in this. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. And it also helped that she had some pretty awesome costumes cuz she just looks stunning in pretty much every scene she was in. Oh gosh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, if for me, favorite characters, I'm tempted. I'm very tempted to pick Jasmine, um, because I really did enjoy her character. But, but, and I'm but, also, but, but, I'm also tempted to pick the genie because I really liked Will Smith. I really liked mm. Will Smith in the role, as I explained earlier. But I'm gonna pick Aladdin. I'm gonna pick the title character. I okay. really liked him in this movie. I really did. And I, I know like it, it 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 should be natural like, oh yeah, you like the main character, like that's not a big deal, but like it kind of is. Like it kind of could have been like you, you he really could have fallen flat, but he he didn't. I think he really he nailed the role. He made it his own. And overall, he's just really he's so likable and so charismatic in the role all his own. So yeah, I'm I'm totally sold on Aladdin. Again, like if there was a chance that he could come back and play this role again, I'd be like, okay, I'm game. I'll I'll sit down. I don't really want a sequel, but if they said they were going to do a sequel, you got my money right now because of him. I mean, they're about to get my money again because I'm going to go watch the movie again. <laughs> and like, you know what? And, and I'm like, well, I can't buy the original on uh, DVD or Blu-ray, but I might buy the new one when it comes out. Don't put the I'm Disney buying ball, both, by the man. Way. I'm buying both. I'm going to like go to eBay or something and try and find the the animated version and I am definitely getting the Blu-ray of this movie. Heck, I actually considered this being my first 4K purchase. I don't even have a 4K TV, but when I do, I want to see this spectacle in HD. Yeah. Uh let me let me see. I'm going to the to the box office mojo here to take a look at how this movie's doing. Because uh, opening weekend, it grossed uh, $91.5 million. Mm-hmm. So far, it's made almost 208 domestically so far. Its foreign is over 293 So 
in what two weeks it's already made a half a billion dollars. I heard it beat Godzilla that this week. I I believe it. Let me see. What are the what are the weekend totals look like? Do 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 do. Uh, it's first weekend, May twenty fourth through twenty seventh. It was the number one rank with almost a hundred and seventeen million. And then the weekend of May. What is it? May 31st through June 2nd, it was second only to Godzilla. Okay. So it okay. made 40, 43, almost 43 million, and Godzilla made almost 48 million. Far and away behind everything else is Rocket Man at 25.7 million for that weekend. Okay. But right. I still, I still want to see Rocket Man. I've heard good things about it. Yeah. Yeah, I've yeah that that's one that's on my list too. Yeah, definitely. Taron Anderson apparently played the role so well that they took a photo of him on set in costume and showed it to Elton. And Elton asked, "When was this taken? I don't remember taking this picture." I remember that story. That is, oh, I was like, "Wow, good job." So yeah, I'm I'm curious about that. Don't know if we'll talk about it here on the show, but I'm still curious about it. <laughs> Uh, follow me on social media if you want to actually uh, see uh, see some reactions to it. I might I might go check that out soon. Yeah, totally. Um, moving back to the movie though, the one that we're supposed to be talking about tonight, <laughs> Aladdin. Lots of really good moments in this movie. A lot of very compelling visuals. A lot of really well written moments. Some that made you laugh. Some that made you cry. Some that were action packed. Some that were tender hearted. What was your favorite moment, Ben? Ooh, I it has to be something with the genie. It has to be. Because he's he's definitely a close number two as far as my favorite characters go. Um and as you said, there's a lot of good moments, a lot of good genie moments. Um I'm gonna say I really like the scenes in the desert specifically when they come out of the cave and you know, you, you get a, there's just a lot of back and forth between, you know, Aladdin and the genie, and, you know, uh, Will Smith really just gets to pour it on as far as, like, just being the genie and just like, hey, okay, you know, snapping his fingers, doing this, doing that, and he goes gets into his human form, and he's doing all this crazy stuff, which was a brilliant way to modernize the genie, but also, like, not always have the... Some, I mean, the, the, sometimes the, the effects were a little bit much with the genie, um, whereas I think it was a bit more grounded when he was in his human form, which was great. Um, and, but that whole scene, you know, just, you know, doing this and him dressing him up and, hey, you move away, I, I need some space to work, like, th- th- that whole thing is just great, and just those two playing off each other were fantastic. Their on-screen chemistry was some of the best in the whole movie. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's actually kind of interesting that you mentioned that, because I believe we actually have a very small snippet to uh, play for our listeners tonight that uh, is pertaining to that sequence in the desert. Yes, we do. As as it goes with uh, newer films, they don't actually give us a whole lot of good um, sound clips to work with, but there was one <sighs> particular scene that uh, that they did release um, a little small snippet. I wish I wish they had the bigger portion of it because like it's a really good scene. As I'm saying, like it's one of my favorites. But uh, just a little small snippet of it. But it is for the quarter of the night tonight. 
that it is. And so I'm not going to say anything further. I'm going to let you guys have a listen to this uh, little 30-second snippet that will be tonight's Quote of the Night. Hey, can you make me a prince? There is a lot of gray area in Make Me a Prince. I could just make you a prince. Oh, no. Right, you'd be snuggled up with that dude for the rest of your life. Y'all see my palace? Be specific with your words. The deal is in the detail. Got it. Which I don't really understand, because if she already likes you, why change? I told you, she has to marry a prince. I just want to go home, man. Okay, I can do that. It gets a lot better after that, but it's still a pretty great sequence. <laughs> Close enough. Get you get you in the in the mood and get you in the uh you know, get you in the spirit of the scene. There's a lot of gray area in there in Make Me a Prince. And then when he snaps his fingers, it's almost like the classic dad joke. Like, Dad, can you make me a sandwich? Poof, you're a sandwich. <laughs> fun well, fact. That's... Fun fact. The um the prince that he makes appear on that other dune is dressed in purple and green, which is an homage to the fresh prince of Bel Air. Yes. Yes. I love that. So there's there is there is a little bit of a callback to the, the prince title that Will Smith once carried. Uh, I mentioned to you off the air, Ben, I thought for a, a second there that uh, it was going to be, like, Prince the Musician that shows up. <laughs> but since he recently passed away, his family has been really protective of his representation and his image being used in different products and stuff. So it's probably a little too soon for something like that, but it would have been clever if they'd been able to do that. Just shows all the different potential that the imagination can can do for you in uh, in something like this. It's it's a It's a great... Great, very imaginative film. I love it so much. Yeah, and I think I think Will Smith's version of the genie, I think, just works better without all the all the impressions. I think just him just being Will Smith and being just letting his personality kind of take over versus Robert Williams, which was very you know impersonation heavy. It might have been impersonation heavy, but it was it was also a lot of what Robin Williams does. You know? The impersonations are Robin Williams. More or less. They they were kind of blended together. And we mentioned on last week's episode how many different impersonations he did in that one film. It was a lot. Yeah. But he still also did a lot of things that were his own as well. And so for Will Smith to drop the impersonations but to also make it his own uh, definitely helped carry the genie's character a new direction and made for some really, really fun moments, both heartwarming and hilarious. Absolutely. So I guess it's to my favorite moment. Yeah, I yeah. guess so. Um, can I say the whole movie? <laughs> well, you can say the one you say the the opening scene, the that, scene that you missed. That 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 opening scene that I missed. That was my favorite part of the movie. The part that I missed. Yeah. Um. No, I mean honestly, I I would want to watch it again, but if it still has the same. Uh, drama and adventure and comedy aspect that I enjoyed the first time around. This could seriously end up becoming one of my favorite movies of all time, period. Like, that's how much I enjoyed this movie. So if I had to pick one scene, 
Um, it would probably be the scene that I saw in animated form and wasn't very impressed by. And the whole time I sat there wondering, huh, what would this look like if it were live action? Because I knew that I was about to go see the live action version. And I was like, I wonder what this would look like. It's the scene where uh, they're in the Cave of Wonders. Aladdin touches the lamp. Abu touches something else. And the whole place starts going to hell. Literally. <laughs> yeah. Like lava starts spewing everywhere. The cave is collapsing. There's this sense of danger and he's got to escape on the carpet or dodging and ducking the stuff that's falling. And it, it just looked a little choppy for 1992 animation. The lava didn't look great. Mm -hmm. The camera work was okay. It just, it wasn't the best. But that scene felt like you were riding a roller coaster or something. Like, I know that the shot wasn't always an over-the-shoulder shot, but they used enough of it to make you feel like you were on that thrill ride with him. Uh, it gave you a better sense of impending doom. Um, the the whole line where Aladdin's like, give me your hand, and Jafar's like, how about I give you my foot? Like, it was both funny and, like, dangerous at the same time. And that's, like, the 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 essence of a Disney film. Mm-hmm. And I think that sense of adventure, the music that was carried behind it, the the danger, the look of the lava and the collapsing of the cave, just everything about it made me feel so much better about this movie than its predecessor. That scene in the cave is better in Aladdin 2019 than it is in Aladdin 1992. It is. It really is. I mean, there's no, yeah, just, it is, it's, it's great. It's visually spectacular, but not in a, not in an over the top way. I think it really is. It's just well, really well done visually and visual effects wise and everything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. The Prince Ali scene is great. The dancing scene is great. The whole new world sequence is great. Uh, I actually teared up during the whole new world sequence. I had a hard time keeping my eyes open because all I wanted to do was just listen to them sing to each other. I don't know if mm -hmm. that makes me weird or sappy or hopeless romantic or whatever, but that was really what I wanted to do. I really just wanted to sit back and listen. Mm -hmm. And it was it it was it was beautiful. A lot of this movie was beautiful and I I can't wait to go see it again. I really can't. Absolutely. I totally agree. Wow. Mm -mm -mm. So I'm I'm assuming our ratings for this movie are going to be pretty darn high. Yeah, I'm just wondering how how high do I want to go with this? Like how high do I want to be within reason? Because I have to rein myself in sometimes, or I have to pump myself up depending on my opinion. Oof. But Oof. no no pumping up here. It's it's do do I give in to my feelings or do i try to be more reasonable and not so positive but it's gonna be hard but what do you have I, an idea i i want to give in to my feelings man i really do um movies like that are on my top five movies that i'll never say no to guardians the dark knight uh empire strikes back jurassic park they're all in that 9.5 to 10 out of 10 region and I am, like, seriously considering 
putting Aladdin in that area. I really am. But it's not entirely flawless. Uh, Jafar's quest for power at the end of the movie was a little abrupt. Like, everything kind of started happening really, really fast there towards the end. Like, it needed to find some way to wrap up. And it wrapped up a little on the fast side. And it kind of had an abrupt opening, as uh, as our friend Parker commented on my status. He said, the the beginning was a little was a little fast and the ending was a little abrupt and it was sandwiching a lot of awesomeness right in the middle mm-hmm. and i would i would tend to agree with that statement um however that abrupt ending wasn't super abrupt for me at least perhaps not on the level that that it was for parker but i can see where he gets it from um but for me, I, I enjoyed the conclusion to the story. I, I enjoyed the happily ever after sensation. Uh, I enjoyed the choreography. I enjoyed the action. I enjoyed the intrigue. I don't think there's any scene in this movie, aside from Jafar's sleight of hand pickpocketing the lamp away from Aladdin, aside from that little convenient plot element, there's really not a whole lot about this movie that I dislike. And so I don't think it's going to be a perfect score. I don't even know if I'm going to put it in the 9.5 region. I might get it there eventually, depending on how my like my ensuing views go. But based on this one viewing, based on the sheer enjoyment that I had, based on how anxious I am to get back to the movies and watch it again, this movie comes as close to that near perfect as I can possibly get it. I'm going to give it a 9.4 out of 10. It's almost a 9.5. I'm giving it a 9.4. Yeah, I hear you. I see where you're going with this. I, I, like I've said, I really, really enjoyed it. I think I've, I think I liked it. I, I definitely like it more the more I think about it. And the more I've kind of dwelled on it, the more I've talked to people, and this podcast has has been no different in regards to, you know, just improving my opinion of the movie. Um, and it's just, uh, you know, I, I I think I had fairly limited to, I didn't have too many expectations for it, but I didn't have, like, high expectations for this movie. So coming out of it, I'm like, okay, that wasn't, like, that wasn't bad. And then the more I think about it, I'm like, that wasn't, even bad that was great that that was really fantastic and just all the different elements and just kind of looking over like the different points and the fact that how much better this movie is like how it actually improves the original story and you know improves the characters and makes it just an all-around like more you know visual story and you know on top of all that I think it's a really I think it's a really great way to reintroduce this story to a whole new generation of people and because I think people go well why didn't he remake it whatever but like the new the older film is never going to be back in theaters like you you're not that's not going to be an event like this is and this like you don't even have to watch this new one like you can at least like this is the event that kind of brings it back up and hey okay if you don't want to watch the new one just go watch the original but like I think kids are going to love this I think kids of all over the place are going to adore this movie. This is going to be their Aladdin. 
they're going to be talking about this in 20 years. How about how much they love this movie? And you know what? If I'm still around in 20 years, I'll be talking about how much I love this movie because I love it now. And I think I'm going to give it I think I'm going to give it a solid 9.0 score. I think I'm going with that. It's it's a very solid and very deserving score. I I'm I'm with you on that. And here here's the interesting thing. I'm I'm going back and looking at, you know, the conversation that we had just a week ago. Yeah. You know, just just one week ago looking at this uh this predecessor. Um <laughs> interestingly, I had given it an 8.5. You want to guess or remember what you gave to the 92 version? I, I I have no idea. I'm I would guess wrong and I never remember what I say on previous podcasts. <laughs> You actually gave that movie a 9.0. Okay. All right. I guess I'm I guess I'm in the mood of of even numbers now. Maybe. So, Maybe that's... so. And I'm the one that's kind of deviating because I used to only I was I was very strict about my half point increments. It was like 0.5 or 0.0. And now I'm over here doing loosey goosey like 9.4 and stuff like that. Uh, our friend Sage from Star Wars Wastelands and the Phantom Cantina is kind of rubbing off on me, I guess. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Doing all those Game of Thrones episodes. For a while there, we had to do like like a out of ten rating for every episode that we watched. Oh, wow. And so I was sitting here going, okay, this one's like an 8.3. This one's like an 8.7. This one's a 9.7. And so uh, I think that may have rubbed off on me a little bit, giving it a, a 9.4 here and an 8.5 last week. I stand by those. I I stand by those pretty pretty wholeheartedly. And our friend George in the chat says he gives it a 9.5 out of 10. That has been added to the official score for audience planet scores. And if you're interested in sending us your planet score and you're not listening live, then send us your rating out of 10 on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at IPC Podcast, or write us personally on social media if you follow us there as well. You can find... Ben at Ben Hart with no E, and you can find me at Zach, Z-A-C underscore D-F-W. Let us know what you thought of this movie. I can't wait to hear everyone else's thoughts. Absolutely, yeah. I, I've I've enjoyed talking to other people because, like, yeah, the critics have not been kind to this movie, but, like, everyone I've talked to about it, both in person and kind of online, is like, yeah, this is really good. I'm like... Okay, I, I I'm not crazy. This this movie is not as bad as the critics say it is. Like uh, it's nice to know that. I don't know what the critics mean by a predictable plot. <laughs> is that what someone said? No kidding. Oh. It's based on another movie. It's a remake, of course, and it's not I mean, it's not really. I mean, it kind of is predictable but like it goes in some unpredictable situations and and it does some unpredictable things so i don't even think it's predictable as a remake s m f h man i'm just oh my gosh (laughs) no i mean i trust our ratings a heck of a lot more than i trust critics ratings i i trust i trust people that i can talk to that i know and that includes people on podcasts that I listen to. Like, if if you, you saying something and you say, hey, I saw this movie, I liked it, you should go see it, I'm going to take your word for it more than I will 
anybody else, especially not a critic. Like, I, I don't read critics' reviews. And I know they, critics have their purpose. I'm not trying to discredit critics, but um, I, I don't go by them when it comes to actually wanting to watch a movie. You know, technically, by reviewing movies on a podcast, that, in a roundabout way, kind of makes us critics, too. Um, yeah, oh boy. Oh, boy, this is, this is, this is, um, this is, uh, this is madness. I'm going in circles here. Now I'm, I'm literally biting my own tail now. Uh, <laughs> you've become the very thing you swore to destroy. You swore to destroy. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> oh, it's getting late. It's getting crazy. Oh my gosh. Okay, before it gets too crazy, let's thank some of our crazy patrons who yep. help make this show possible. People like Parker and Dan, whom we've already mentioned a couple of times here on this show. Dan, I hope that our high praise and our high scores have given you at least some inclination to give it a try. It just just try. I promise that it won't feel like two hours of your life wasted. I enjoyed myself the whole time. Um, but also, Joey Mays, Jake Damon, and Rachel Perry, you guys are the core that have kept us afloat for so long. But we're always looking for more patrons. We're always looking for people that are willing to help us out and, and keep us going. And if you feel like that's you, then you can become a patron at patron.podbean.com forward slash IPC podcast, or if that's too long to figure out, just go to ipcpodcast.podbean.com. It's got a uh, button there that you can click. It's also got our entire library saved in that database there. So if there's anything on iTunes or Google Play that you can't see, I bet you can see it on that site as well. That is our official hosting site for all of our shows, and uh, we hope that you will go and check that out. And like I said, be sure to check us out on social media as well. And also find us on StarWarsUnderworld.com. They are partners of the IPC podcast, and they post episodes there as well, along with brief synopsis and links to certain articles and other tidbits as well. So uh, you can find us there. You can find us on iTunes. Well, actually, it's not called iTunes anymore. Did you hear that iTunes has officially disbanded? Wait, what? Yeah, it's not called iTunes anymore. It's been officially dissolved. It's Apple Music, Apple TV, and Apple Podcasts, I think. It's, it's been, it, all of their content has been split into different factions. No, nah, no, nah, nah, bro. No, nah, I, I, ain't, I ain't subscribing to that, all right? It's going to be iTunes. I'm, I'm going to keep it alive. I'm going to keep saying iTunes. No. We'll, we'll keep calling it iTunes all we want, but I'm pretty sure Apple has officially disbanded it. How old does that make you feel? God, Lord, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, that's... Uh... That's crazy. That's crazy. I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know either. I really don't. It's it's a it's a strange time that we're living in, my friend. It is indeed. That's about the only true thing that everyone can agree on. It's strange. It's just strange. Where's that where's that Randy Newman song from Toy Story? You know what I'm talking about? Strange things are happening. Things are happening to me. There you go. There you go. <laughs> the strangest thing right now is the fact that we got an, a, a remake of a classic Disney film that everyone loves, and no one, as people say on the internet, no one asks for this, and uh, it was good. <laughs> you're right, man. You're you're very right. I, I don't know how Mulan's going to turn out. I don't know how The Lion King's going to turn out. 
but I know that as of right now, Aladdin is probably my favorite live-action remake that anybody's ever done. And see, now I want to go watch more of the live-action remakes, but I'm also afraid that the, it's all downhill from here. <laughs> it very well could be. Unfortunately so. It very well could be. But hopefully not. Hopefully yeah. not. We'll see what happens. I'm looking forward to Lion King still. Just putting that out there. But that's probably best saved for another discussion for another day. Absolutely. Uh, we do have one more discussion that we need to touch on for just a couple of minutes here before we call it a night. So, ladies and gentlemen, get out your hashtags. Put it on all those social media platforms that we just told you about because it is time, one more time, an age-old tradition, uh, tale as old as time, song as old as rhyme. Oh, no, that's the wrong movie. Sorry. It is time for hashtag barbecue watch. Barbecue. 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 Okay, so we were talking about what the potential discussion topics were for this one, and I might have come up with something, but I really don't know if I should go there. I've got something, too. I want to hear yours first, though. Okay, uh, well, this is only because we didn't really give a whole lot of attention to this character, and I feel like they're at least worth mentioning. Oh, no. <laughs> Barbecued monkey? Oh, that's, uh, the, you're going into Indiana Jones territory. <laughs> going into, I was thinking Temple bar- of Doom. Bar- Barbecued monkey brain. I brains. was thinking Temple of Doom. <laughs> It's a di- different, different movie. Different movie. You never know. The poor Abu. Oh God. <laughs> who, who knows? Who knows what happens after the adventures of Aladdin? <laughs> <laughs> Aladdin makes a trip to India, and oh God. Um. Yeah. That never, thing. never sees his friend again. Oh my goodness. Okay, so I'm gonna switch gears a bit because I'm gonna get away from that very dark thought. Ah, oh, darn it. And I'm going to go to something a little bit more lighthearted, but also ties right in with this one. Jams. Oh. <laughs> how, how do you marry? How do you marry? Take jam and barbecue. How do you put those two together? Is there such oh. a thing as a barbecue-flavored jam? I, oh, I, I'm not so sure about this. I'm just, I'm flying by the seat of my pants here. Give me a break. Uh, okay, so, um, I, I feel like here in Texas, I don't know if it's something that's, like, just true in the Deep South or if it's just, if, if it's a Texas thing, but we actually, um, have found a way to make jams out of our, um, peppers, like our jalapenos and our ghost peppers and things like that. Ooh. And I don't know how they do it. Maybe they use something else to help with the gelatinous process, but it's actually like a spicy jam. 
Mm. And I feel like something like that would go good on your barbecue sandwiches. That might be. Like, Add, like if you put a a sweet sauce on your meat and then you put the the jam that's got a little bit of heat on the bread, then you've got like a sweet and a heat and a barbecue meat and now I'm just rapping and freestyling and I don't know where I'm oh, going with this. Oh, yes. Will Smith would be proud. I don't think he would, but I'll I'll t- I'll take it anyways. A for effort. Yeah, right? Uh, and also T for tired. <laughs> By the way, what will your rapper name be? Oh, Debato Shark. Haven't we discussed this Oh, before? you're right. You do have a rapper name. I forgot. <laughs> I, somehow I, I should have known that. Yeah, I'm the only one here that doesn't have a rapper name, and that shall remain as truth. Uh, yes, but you do have a wrestler name. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, yes, um, yes, that's a, that's a thing that happened. Yeah, go check out my Twitter if you want to see my good buddy, um, ba, uh, uh, Bill Beck, um, Darth Pizza on Twitter. Go follow him and go see what he did to me. Uh, He's got you in like a, I don't know what this is, a V-neck, a banana hammock shirt, and a leather jacket. The, the Photoshop, man, it's it's. Perfect. Like he's he's a master. Like it it's amazing. But it also just like flabbergasted me the first time I saw it. This is the second time it's gone viral and I'm just like, oh God, what is happening? Ben the Sith Man Heart. See, it's a wrestling <laughs> reference and I I I don't know wrestling like at all. So everyone's like you know, laughing at it. And uh, I was just, it just went over my head, first of all. Someone had to explain it to me. But uh, at, at Real Darth Pizza on Twitter, go follow my, <laughs> my good buddy and uh, go find his uh, thing because, uh, yeah, he's, uh, he's awesome. And that is just, I don't know what to make of it still. I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> oh, it's hilarious. That is hilarious. Always some kind of new fun adventure here on the IPC podcast. But uh, it is getting kind of late, and we've been at this for a little while. So, Ben, unless you've got any final thoughts, I think we're pretty much ready to call it a night. I think we did it. We done did it. We are finished. And as much as I, I could and I would... And I would love to continue talking about this film, to continue talking about Aladdin um, 2019 and talking about how great it is and how, yes, it is better than the original. Now i got to tweet that out and get all the hate for it um, because people on the Internet would hate that. Um, but uh, it's, it's been great, and it's been wonderful. And, you know, I'm hoping we can, we can circle back around to this at one time. Or, you know, I'm, I'm at least looking forward to Lion King now a lot more. Knowing oh, this yeah. thing happens, and you know, Lion King looks to be—I mean, one of the things that I love about this movie is it, its strengths as far as like it does some things differently. Whereas Lion King looks to be more like a straight like remake of this movie, which could could on the other end could be a, a real thing. But uh, yeah, it's coming up real soon. Actually, they put the they schedule these things pretty close together. So Lion King's coming up pretty quick, and we're gonna be talking about it as well as. A, a lot of other things, a lot, 
July 19th is when The Lion King officially releases here in the U.S. Wow. And I'm getting ready to find like an app on my phone that can help me do countdowns until it happens. You gotta do it. Because I'm just ready to experience that nostalgia all over again. But until it's time for that nostalgia trip and until it's time for next week's episode, I think we're going to go ahead and put this one to bed. Episode 241 is now officially in the books. We keep inching closer to 250. I'm really excited about that. But uh, for now, we're just going to say so long, folks. For Benjamin Hart, I'm Zach Arnold. Thank you for tuning in. We hope that you'll tune in next time. But until that time comes around, we just want to leave you with this closing thought. Keep your friends close, but keep your enemies closer. We hope to see you, friends and enemies, next time on the IPC Podcast. But until then, good night, everyone. What is this? A magic carpet. Do you trust me? What did you say? Do you trust me? Chase.